We bought a mic. We bought a mic. But you were always we right a beside mic. me. We bought a mic. We bought a mic. But you were always right beside me. We bought a seven mic. A microphone. I never thought I'd buy. A bought a mic. We bought a mic. And I'd never thought a mic. Bought a mic. We bought a mic. So lonely before I bought a mic. We bought a mic. Hello. Oh. Does that count? And welcome. Oh. To We Bought a Mic. Episode 13. Man, what an improvisational tone we have. That might give you you a hint at something that we may be talking about later here today as we introduce a new segment We Fought a Mic. Whoa. My name is Ernest Calderon. I'm Drew Dietzen. I am Hunter Mobley. And And I'm Gaia. Whoa. Hey, we got a guest. Gaia of in the background of every other episode. Welcome to the show. (laughs) How does it feel to hit the big time? (laughs) You know, it feels really good. I'm so happy to be here as I am every week. But this time talking to the mic. In front of a microphone. This we're gonna we're gonna be getting into some some good stuff today. We got lots of movie news to talk about. Uh, Gaia has a book that she's been reading, and <laughs> lots of things that we've been watching, including the <laughs> season or series finale of Nathan for You. I'd be I'd be f- happy if it was. The, I mean, I'd be sad if it were the series finale, but I can't imagine it getting any better than this. Yeah. So yeah. also, we're trying out a new segment for you guys. We fought a mic. We're not trying. We're succeeding. Yeah. But uh, before we get to any of that, I just want to tell you guys, you listeners out there, that here at We Bought a Mic, we really care about you. Mm-hmm. We, we really just do this for you. We are servants of you, of creating content. Every day yeah. we wake up and look in the mirror and say to ourselves, why aren't we generating premium verified content? Yeah. And then we check our various outlets that you could be sending us emails and questions and praise. And we have nothing except for something from our very yeah. close friend. I so just, is, is it really step. a close friend? Leo the house cat 72 at gmail.com. <laughs> Would you call him a close did friend? He, wait, did he make I'm, a new Gmail I'm, just I'm for this close. question? I'd say I'm pretty close to Leo. I've gotten very His name intimate. is the media store. Oh, I'm pretty tight with Leo. Leo's a good cat. Leo's a good cat. I've He's I've a big seen tummy. I've seen Leo at his at his worst, yeah. at his most vicious. Also though, Leo is a notorious horn dog. Oh yeah. So let's let's find out what that question is he's got so, for us. So uh, the media store, aka Leo the Housecat72 at gmail.com, says Greetings and salutations, Wabam. I'm not a complex man. With that being said, I was curious if any of you dudes have ever had sex with a girl while she was having, quote unquote, that time of the week. No, Leo. Sh- no shame. We've all been there before. Am I right, fellas? All right. Um, uh, um, so this question has no pop culture value to it at all. So we should just so not answer. Well, I don't know what Leo the Housecat72 I mean, at gmail.com is thinking. Maybe Leo had just seen Superbad. You know? Oh yeah, when she whole, yeah. when she period bloods all that's, over his pants. Yeah, that's all I can think. You of. know that actually happened. Uh, was it Seth or Evan? Uh, one, one of the, of the two. two. It actually happened too. But uh, yeah, I mean, I guess that's the answer to our question. Yeah, um, super bad. So 
I, I don't know what he's thinking. This I, is strictly a pop culture podcast. This is not a personal details sort of podcast. Who is this the media store that thinks he can get personal? I don't. With I us? don't know who that who this cat thinks that it is. Yeah. But this feline well, is. They're out of place. Well, okay. with that said, Leo, assuming consent, don't be a pussy. Come on. Come on, oh, come on. hey, yeah, yeah, fun. yeah, menstruation is perfectly normal, and uh, we're all adults here. All right, Leo the House Cat 72. My second question, says Leo, is what is your favorite Death Grip song? I know you guys are huge fans. And then he says, question, I'm your number one fan? And then no signature. <laughs> yeah, so. as a question, I'm your number one fan? So, uh, yeah, get, 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 go, 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 rush up to my bed, bucking off the fucking, that's a good song. Yeah. Get Got might be my answer. It's definitely their most accessible I mean, song. Yeah, get got, there's actually that whole the money store the album as a general. I I, I think that uh, I think that in general is a great great album. Yeah. I'm actually looking up what the name of the song is now because there's actually I'm, a song uh, other than Get Got. I'm yeah I'm, like I'm partial more. to Get Got and also I've seen footage. That's a fun song to yeah, like scream along to. Okay, I have I I do love the footage. Uh, I've seen footage, but um, I think my favorite Death Grip song is actually The Fever. Hey hey. Hey, hey. Do you have a take on Death Grips, Gaia? Uh, the only time I listen to them is either with my brother or um, Colin Goody. Who's that? Is that is that Leo the house cat? Of uh, the Colin Snyder podcast? To, yes. Uh, he AKA likes to play the it loudly Colin. and it gives me anxiety. <laughs> and I don't, uh, I don't partake. Uh, yeah, I, there's one that I, uh, there's one Death Grips song that I like that I'm going to have to look it up too because I can't, I can't remember the name of it. But did you guys know that Death Grips, like, They've had shows where they just don't show up and their show is essentially a setup stage that essentially gets destroyed by fans who are angered by the band not showing up. And then they're like, uh, yeah, that's, it's, fucking that's art. art. It's yeah. called crowdsourcing. <laughs> <laughs> Freaking oof. Yeah. Do they like do they plan not to show up the entire time or is it they wake up that day and they're just like, no. I, I I don't know what they're The fans will tell you they is. planned it, and like, reality will tell you they didn't plan yeah, it. Yeah, it's like one like of every four shows we're going to do this. Also, they break up like every so often yeah. and just come How back. How many people are in the band? Two. It's Well, I think it's, it, I'm pretty sure it's two pr- two or three producers and then the main you know rapper, MC Ride. I don't think that I can call MC Ride a rapper. <laughs> no, like he's not really a rapper. He's more like... He he's an has emoter. rapish tones to him, but I wouldn't call him a rapper. He's an well, emotional man. Um, shout out to Jacob Godwin if you're listening, but he is my personal resident uh, Death Grips fan, and he's the one who showed me their stuff. But there is a song that he will blast out of his car, and I just can't find it on Spotify right now. I'm totally forgetting the name of it. Well, oh, I want it. I need it. Yeah, Grant, okay, just, Grant just chimed yeah, yeah, yeah. in. Yeah, I want it. I need it. Yeah, that's a great, great song. They have some good stuff. Not they're not Spotify they're not accessible. If they if they're taking you by surprise, if someone just puts them on, you're like, what the fuck? Uh, but you know, just like any music, they need context, and you can. It's possible to get into them. Yeah. Well, thank you, <laughs> uh, Leo the Housecat72 at gmail.com for yeah. that beautiful question. Also, uh, Colin Goody, n- in no way related to uh, Leo the Housecat, but uh, is going to get a Death Grips tattoo. It's going to be that BDSM mask from the, the Money Store cover. Oh, nice. Very nice. cool tattoo idea. Well, yeah, you can send us your own questions at webottomike at gmail.com. Let us know what you know you think of the show or any questions or you know just ask us about (laughs) disgusting sexual debauchery you know you can whatever you you choose keep it keep it as uh as personal or unpersonal it's really up to us to 
answer the question, but let's get into the movie news, guys. First up, we got, of course, another week, another bit of Star Wars news. And in that effect, Disney news. So essentially, the big Fox deal that we were talking about last week, not happening. And As we all said that it wasn't yeah, going to happen. And, and we're all happy that's not. And the reason why they were even trying to entertain that thought is because Disney wants to start its own streaming service, which we've talked about. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to incorporate Fox's properties into that. But now we have confirmation that, first of all, all future Marvel shows will be not on Netflix, but on the new Disney streaming service. And Star Wars is going to have its first live action TV show on this new streaming service. You know what's funny is that it seems like all these companies, like initially they were on board with the whole Netflix thing. And they were like, oh, cool. More eyes on our shows is good. Now they're all fracturing and starting their new like streaming networks. It seems like they're slowly reinventing cable. Yeah, yeah no, it really is. It's <laughs> There's going to have cable. to be some sort of package. I mean, look at CBS yeah, exactly. All Access. Yeah, like, they're like, the okay, yeah, they're like, that. okay, now it's on your computer. What if it was on your TV? Like, they're just going to slowly get back into what cable well, is. Well, I mean, I have a Roku, and that has like every app you could want. Netflix, Hulu, um, CW has one, Boomerang, anything that like like Boomerang used to be on cable. They made their own sub channel now so everything's gonna do you have to pay roku though you don't so i bought the roku for forty dollars and then there's sling which you can watch cable shows and that's probably like less than forty dollars a month and then i pay ten dollars a month for boomerang and i have logins for other stuff so you can still get away with paying under a hundred dollars yeah but you still have to pay the individual netflix monthly fee and the individual hulu monthly fee right yeah but i feel like at this point you could have multiple people so if one person buys one like pat like one channel and yeah. you get logins if you have a group of friends you guys yeah. can all i mean all it's it's it. indubitably gonna be better than cable i was more i was more joking just because it's like they're re like forming just like no it's just us now yeah but yeah no streaming is better it's superior just, you can yeah, choose you can what choose. you want to watch i was just back up whenever i revisit home and i'm on cable i'm like what what were we doing for so long yeah, fucking commercials and shit yeah the commercials infomercials just tv shows that no one cares about and you have to watch okay? it okay oh, i just yeah. i feel like you know now that we're seeing companies like verizon and at&t like these providers uh pair themselves with companies like mm. hbo well hbo and at&t are the same company like they they're both owned by time warner um but now that they're they're starting to bundle all that together that could lead to these services being all under one roof you know you pay one fee for netflix hulu hbo and whatnot instead of like all these separate transactions mm-hmm. well speaking to what you're talking about about uh there being no more marvel shows on netflix do we know when exactly that's going to end because punisher is being released on netflix Friday. i think uh daredevil 3 will be the last that'll one. be the last so yeah. we're not getting another season of the defenders i don't think so no. okay. i mean not that i watched any I, of yeah it. i didn't watch any of it <laughs> but what do you guys think of this star wars show any ideas for what it may be? Uh, I don't care. <laughs> I need I need at least a name attached behind it yeah. before yeah. I start to also, care even a little bit. Also, this might be a hot take, but no more Marvel shows on Netflix. 
I could take him or leave him, really. Like, oh yeah, there it's diminishing returns for sure. Yeah, I don't even like season one of Daredevil. I liked, but like I don't like it that much. I feel like they're better suited for movies. I think Daredevil. Yeah. Daredevil has really great action in it, but Jessica Jones is my favorite Netflix Marvel show. Like the season one of Jessica Jones. I still just, do need to see that. Yeah, it's it's, it's the best really one. Good. It's the best one out of all of them for okay. sure. Um, oh, another bit of Star Wars news big this week. Ryan Johnson is signing on to develop an all-new trilogy of films. Basically, episodes 10, 11, and 12. But they're going to be a whole new story, all new characters, not tied to the uh, Skywalker gang. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is this is just about as cool of a name as you could attach to this project. They, they're they very confident about The Last Jedi to announce this before the movie it's, comes out. Yeah, it just it comes across as really ballsy. Just like nobody, literally nobody except for the higher, higher ups of Disney have even seen The Last Jedi. And they're already willing to just sign yeah. Ryan Johnson. On, just like, yeah, just make another three. It's fine. Well, I think they know everyone's going to watch it. Like, you don't even have to have grown up and even like Star Wars. You're going to go pay to see it because everyone's watching it. Yeah. And they can just make as many as they want. They're going to make a billion dollars. Yes. Or... Star Wars. See, we, we always talk about, uh, and other, you know, competing podcasts to watch, <clears throat> tend to talk about uh, how, you know, the monoculture in terms of TV is dying out. We don't, we rarely talk about how monoculture in movies. And what's remaining really is Star Wars and Marvel movies. Both like, just Disney properties. Disney. Yeah, yeah. Like everyone's going to see the Star Wars movie. Yeah. Uh, so Ryan Johnson is a pretty good name to attach to it. If you don't know, he directed the episodes of Breaking Bad, Ozymandias, and The Fly. Yeah, some of the best episodes. Yeah, uh, I mean, Looper, which is a great movie. I love Underrated Looper. movie. Yeah. So good. I can't wait to rewatch that before The Last Jedi comes yeah. out. It's going to be great. Um, but yeah, I mean, I all this Star Wars talk, I mean, I'm excited for it just because I love Star Wars and I love Ryan Johnson. But... You can't help but feel like we're gonna get Star Wars fatigue. Yeah, just like at what point getting... are we gonna hit the Marvel fatigue? Yeah, well, just Star Wars. With Marvel, they have all of these characters. Like they have so many stories to dive into with all of this, like yeah. years and decades and decades of comics. Where at this point, with Star Wars, they're stretching it. Yeah, they're not. Well, they're not just taking what already exists. They're like stretching it out. And there does exist like Star Wars books and stuff like that, but they always serve the purpose of filling in the gaps and not directly acting as movie storylines yeah. themselves yeah. at this point like they just must have all the faith in the world to ryan johnson to be like you're going to develop the next three movies you're going to and it's going to be all new stories yeah presumably he's directing and he's going to have a hand in writing at them. least the first one yeah, yeah. i think yeah. yeah i think he'll he'll act as like a guiding hand maybe you know he'll be like what favreau was for iron yeah, man one just to get for the started. marvel universe he'll set the tone but see of. here's a thought what if Disney is trying to do something different with Star Wars than with Marvel. Instead of doing a series of 17 movies where you have to sign on the same actors, they bundle them in trilogies so that only three movies have to have the same contract or the the same group of actors under contract and they can just bring in new people each time instead of signing people on for like five, six, seven movies. I feel like that would be better than having to think like, okay, every December I'm just going to see and be like, what wacky hijinks are these same characters going to get to every single time he goes to death? You know that the story has an ending, Mm -hmm. you know? Do we though? Because at this point, like, it'd be one thing if we were just getting these like 10, 11, 12 movies, but you know, we're getting every single year we're going to get every off year that it, it doesn't have a trilogy movie. We're going to get... 
the Solo or yeah. Obi-Wan movie yeah. or something like that, that's going to be the thing that's really going to push this franchise to the fatigue point that we're not just getting these main series movies anymore is that we're reaching this point where we have to have all of these origin stories and everything else. And it's like, well, member obviously solo hmm. is going to survive any kind of perils he gets into in this solo movie. I don't really need to care yeah. about that because yeah. he's going to be fine. Lando's going to be fine. Like we've and, seen that. And you know, speaking of all this retread of old stuff, now we have Amazon confirming that they're working on a Lord of the Rings prequel yeah. TV show. This is like really big news. They paid a reported 200 to $250 million to not, the Tolkien estate. Yeah, not to produce it, just for the right to produce yeah. it in the future. That's a crazy amount of money. That's one of the most expensive deals for rights of property ever. Yeah, well, we before um, a couple episodes ago, when we talked about Ringworld, we talked about how Amazon really wants that next Game of Thrones. Yeah, well, yeah, no, uh, it's it might be hacked to bring up other pods, but Andy Greenwald, friend of the pod, uh, has an in with Amazon. Like, he's had meetings with Amazon execs, mm -hmm. and he said, like, it's kind of a top-down order that, like, hey, we're, like, the biggest company out there. We're on par money-wise with Disney and all these companies. Why don't we have our Game of Thrones? Right. Why don't we have our huge property that everyone knows? So instead of... You know, they've been buying like sci-fi series that like might turn into that. But, Hoping for it. Yeah, yeah, but they were like, well, why don't we just buy one that already is that? And I mean, well, the problem with that is, is though like Peter Jackson did such a great job with the Lord of the Rings movies. Like what else really is there to tell? Like, yeah. I feel like Peter Jackson did as good of a job at a, at adapting that book trilogy as you could possibly imagine. I, yeah, but that's, I mean, that hasn't, that didn't stop anyone with like Spider-Man, for example. Well, Spider-Man's different though, just because like we were talking about before with Marvel in general, you have decades and decades of comics to work off of. Yeah. This is just three stories that it's like, what does this mean that we're going to have an entire movie just about like well it's a show like, yeah well i mean it's a tv show but does that mean there's just gonna be i just it just, I don't know. It, yeah, I just it, doesn't it means they're gonna stretch know, it like what's gonna here's a thought they should just call it middle earth and have it be like a very light-hearted procedural <laughs> of just a sitcom yeah just yeah. people just like going on oh, their lives Sauron. it should be like the old snl sketch of the hobbit office Yes, there, there's a good idea. That'd be fun. You know, it doesn't have to yeah. be this epic sci-fi fantasy. I mean, of course, you can't compare The Office to Game of Thrones at all, but maybe somewhere in the middle, you know, maybe like some lightheartedness, but then like this I mean, big overarching story. The Hobbit especially is a lot more, it's, it's for sci-fi or no, not sci-fi, but for fantasy, it's pretty lighthearted. Like there's, you know, there's some fun stuff going on in the books, at least. Uh, I'm sure for Lord of the Rings fans, you know, I feel like most of them are going to be excited about this just because more... All that lore. Yeah, well, and just because more is better if you really, really love it. And it's like, a cool world. I wonder how Brett feels about this. Um, oh, he's yeah, a, well, He's a huge Lord of the Rings We'll fan. ask him about this next um, week, for Lord, sure. Lord of the Rings has never been, like, a huge deal for me. Like, I was never super into them. So, you know, with this show, I'm, I'm not going in with, like, bated breath of, like, oh, I hope 
but so good. Like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just hope that it looks amazing. Like, that's the best thing that we can hope for is that we get, like, a Game of Thrones-looking show that also has, like, a decent script and it's fun to watch. I mean, you would think that if they're throwing that much money into just being allowed to make it, that they're going to throw a lot more into making it good. Let's just say we can all agree that the Tolkien children are never going to have to work a day in their life after making $250 million for something that their dad wrote. Yeah, that is... I mean, that's considering all the the money that has already been made (laughs) from this Yeah, exactly. All right, let's get to a last little bit of uh, movie news. Let's talk about fucking Louis C.K., this motherfucker. Can we also put... we, We... put kevin spacey as a bitch on the last one can we say louis ck is a bitch yeah too? i mean bitch is like mildly sexist in its own right yeah louis well, ck yeah, has been accused this is why we have a female on the podcast finally yeah you guys will go back to being sexist next week <laughs> <laughs> well this man has been accused of what masturbating yeah. in front of women we, we talked about this on the pod like not three weeks ago like because the preview for his movie came out and we yeah. were talking about like doesn't There's been have, rumors. He has he had accusations against him that were identical to Harvey Weinstein's, minus the the rape aspect, but still horrible things. Um, and so yeah, they the New York Times finally ran an investigative piece on it. There had been pieces run on his accusations before. The difference was that the women who it happened to had not come out and said this happened yet. Mm-hmm. So the New York Times got four or five of them to finally come out and say yes, this happened. He did these things. So now. He's done. Okay, this is kind of there's kind of been like a step ladder of like the level of personability that you have with these people going on. With Weinstein, he's a producer, so you we you know we don't know him or whatever. Then Kevin Spacey, he's an actor, so we we're like Jesus Christ, like you think you know a guy. With Louis, the whole point of being a comedian is selling your personality. He sold us this affable, like downtrodden kind of like he tells it like it is guy. His whole bit is selling who he is. So to come out, so for it to come out that he's actually this way is disgusting, and it's, I mean, for it, it feels like a betrayal. Well, especially if you think of some of the jokes that he's gotten away with on his stand-up and his show, things that directly allude to masturbation and like just being a gross man or whatever, like these things that have been ha 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 so funny, and now it's like oh shit, there's this. I wanted to just like make a comment about like the being kind of other like personal because uh, the same like in this week Jesse Lacey mm-hmm. from Brand New the lead singer yes he, yeah we should talk yeah, about that two too two different girls came out I'm accusing him one of actually like assaulting her yeah I read the, I read that whole Pitchfork and, um, article so like since I was in high school you know I've loved them and I have a brand new tattoo and then I was just like seeing someone who I've always idolized oh, and looked up to and loved just like being like you're just like every other gross guy like you don't care about women and I've like. Yeah, know, it's 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 fucking horrible. It like, is because you can never like view their art in the same way. Like with Louis and Jesse Lacey, it's like I'm never going. Yeah, I don't think like Louis was one of my favorite shows that was on in the last decade, and now it's like I don't think I yeah. really ever want to go back and watch and, that show now. And it's his stand up, like, just off the top of my head, imagining some of his bits. You can't watch those anymore. Yeah, like, it no, would, like it's you would get disgusting. the heebie-jeebies watching his bits now. Same with Jesse Lacey. They're they're more similar than you think. Him and Louis, both of their shticks are being intensely personal and open with who they are. So for this to come out is just, it's 
it, they're not going to come back from it, I don't think. Well, no, actually, with um, Brand New, at first they canceled some European dates, but they had um, their supporting acts drop out, um, sound people drop out. They just canceled their tour because no one, like, his whole apology was so fake. It was like, yeah, I guess I'm narcissistic, but, you know, I'm kind of better. He didn't acknowledge the people he's, like, actually affected. He's like, sorry if I've hurt people's feelings, but it was really hollow. And yeah, it was very impersonal. And it was, he made it about himself and, like, just, was, he's just yeah. like, yeah, Same I'm with Louis's apology, and really. Shit. And he doesn't actually directly apologize to any of the women that he's affected. Except for his wife, who he's like, yeah, I cheated on a lot before we got married. But it's like, I don't even know why she's with you. You're disgusting. Yeah. Did you guys Christ. read Louis' apology? Yeah. It really seems like he had that ready to go. Like, he was prepared for <laughs> it. Well, also, it was just... What was the... I didn't read it. Like, I, Allison, you show me a, a tweet that said the most important thing, which is, like, the way he described himself in that apology was, like, I had power over these people. Blah. He was putting himself up yeah. above these people, he was even like, in oh, the apology. I didn't, uh, how, I didn't know. How could I have known that, like, my yeah. power... And at no point in the apology does he say, I'm sorry. So, <laughs> so it's yeah. not even an apology. Yeah, it's the, just a statement. Yeah. I mean, almost gloating about it, being like, "Yeah, that's something I did." Exactly. Anyways, I have a movie coming yeah. out. Like, like Kevin Spacey set like the lowest mark possible for apologies. Yeah, coming out. <laughs> these these still aren't acceptable, really. Yeah. I uh, mean, now his movie got completely like it got canceled from. It's never going to see premiere. the light. Of day. I don't think it's ever. I don't think it ever should come out. I already, we talked about it whenever we saw the the previous just the how trailer, problematic it looked and yeah. how like wrong fucking timing it was and now especially hearing all these accusations come out against him it's like well, i have no desire to ever watch that movie no no one's gonna fucking see that drew movie. how uh how quickly did your louis poster come down from your wall <laughs> i haven't i is was out of up? town no yeah it is because i was out of shit. <laughs> shut the fuck up oh, no i was out of town when it still happened and i haven't even you should have driven back from tallahassee the four hours and like all right let's pause the podcast down. so drew can get you take should it down from the you wall. should sell take it on it eBay. Yeah, allison's getting up to go take it down right now <laughs> you should sell it on ebay <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's worth a fortune. <laughs> just yeah, like my bill, for like just like $2. my Cosby Show DVD box set. <laughs> like it's just fucking gross. Obviously, can burn it all every time. I'll burn my uh, brand new vinyls. We'll just yeah. throw it all together and have a little bonfire. Yeah. I feel bad. <laughs> yeah. Except we, for the one that's still coming in the mail now. We bought a mic sponsored uh, burning. Yeah. Oh, rip it. Uh, wait, rip it in front of the mic. Rip it in the rip mic. Rip it in the mic. Oh, oh yeah. there it goes. Take Those that, rings. patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this... That wasn't just a piece of paper, Wait, by the way, way, audience. That was literally the Louis <laughs> Come on. I mean, <laughs> okay. obviously it goes without saying that, like, more than anything, it's a shame to the victims of, of you know, that it yeah, happened no. to. That's why I feel bad just being like, oh, I don't think I can ever view the art the same way. Because that's putting it like that's me being very egotistical yeah, exactly. by viewing it like that. And we shouldn't do that as a society. Like we need to oh, definitely. feel sympathy but for the people that's actually affected directly. Yeah, but also the, there is an angle where it's very different with Louis and Jesse Lacey because a, millions of people thought they truly knew these people and they don't i mean it's just it's shameful and it's well it's also just think, gross. think about all the people whose lives went into making these shows and these albums and like all the everyone in brand new everyone who worked closely with yeah. lucy k who didn't know what was going on and exactly. now they're not only out of a job but they lost their best friend yeah. yeah and it's not and you gotta wonder everyone in this close circle like who knew who didn't mark maron came out and said he knew as much as we did uh, which obviously we can't like try him for. We can't burn him at the stake. We don't know what he knew. Uh, Dave Becky, though, Louis C.K.'s manager, is under fire right now because it's it's pretty much accepted at this point that... What's that noise? The fuck is that? Is that the radio? 
Um, all right. So well, anyway, no. Yeah, Louis C.K. So, sucks. Well, no. So Dave Becky, <laughs> Louis's manager, who's also the manager of like Hannibal Burris, John Mulaney, so so many huge comedians and people in Hollywood. Uh, he, it's pretty much accepted that he covered up this whole deal and he contacted the women. And he was like, "Hey, don't say anything about it." Yeah. So so far, not many people have fired him. Uh, I mean, he fired Louis basically just to cover his own ass. And then Pamela Adlon, who worked very closely with yeah, Louis, very got close her own, collaborator. Yeah, she she was on Louis. She got her own FX show. Um, she was managed by Dave Becky, and she's the first person to come out and fire him. She shared very intimate scenes with Louis on his show. Like they were in a bathtub together. They made out. Yeah. They even had a scene where like. Louis was coming on to yeah, her. Yeah, it's like almost. And she rapey. was like pushing him away. Exactly. Yeah, and you watch it like not knowing any of these things, and you're like, oh my god, that's like hilarious. But now knowing everything else, well, why it's would like, you even find that hilarious disgusting. in the first place? Watching. No, Hunter, it's not, it's because not. we were able to separate the man from the character. I guess because as being like a woman, anytime I see any guy yeah. in any sort of like comedic or any setting coming on to a girl, it's always uncomfortable. It's never right. a this is funny. Poor guy down on his luck. A girl doesn't want him. It's oh, I hope she doesn't. Yeah, have especially to get assaulted. like a gross old white guy yeah it never comes across as haha that's so yeah. funny yeah she so now want it. now the cat's out of the bag with louis there's gonna be more to come it's not just gonna end so hold we're on still, to your hats we're still in the worst of it yeah it's still just nothing with going. nathan fielder john mulaney comes out <laughs> or tommy wiseau <laughs> which brings us to Gaia. no i'm just kidding has <laughs> been reading the disaster artist okay. written by um it's greg sestero and yeah, then um, star of the room and i think it's co-star like oh hey mark um because he had another writer come in uh, yeah an author him, yeah. oh yeah yeah um it's wild it's like a wormhole so pretty much it's written by a greg who plays mark which yeah, there was another the mark in the room yeah um but Tommy actually recasts the first one because he's so pretty much greg meets tommy was in an acting class in San Francisco, and um, he becomes his like best pal. Um, so pretty much in the book, the chapters alternate between um, them actually filming the room, and then kind of like the backstory of um. Are you Greg still reading it? Friendship. Yeah, I'm like I'm almost done. Okay. Um, I'm like two hundred. You're trying to finish pages. it before the movie comes out. Oh though. yeah, yeah, that's why I got it. Yeah, hell yeah. It's uh, he's so weird. Like um, every time he goes to dinner, he orders a glass of hot water. But he doesn't drink it. So on the set of the room, they had a big jug on a table of hot water. So because he had a jug for his hot water, like a table with a jug, the makeup artist couldn't have a table. And um, he actually, so, because, you know, no one knows where his money came from. He bought all the film equipment. Mm -hmm. And he has, he had two different cameras, like a one with actual film and an HD one. So he made his own, like, rig with both cameras. So that's it's crazy. No one would actually buy like a yeah. million dollars worth of he film. He just yeah. We kind of gotten into his his like weird past Antics. on the pod before because I've read like articles about it where it's just like where is he from even and where so did his money come from? In the book, he actually like and this happens not only with Greg, who's kind of like his best friend, but also like the only person who can like kind of contain his yeah understand him a little bit. But anytime anything involving where he's from, his age, where he got his money from, comes up, he, not, he either makes a joke to detour it or he gets like violently angry about it. Jesus. Um, yeah, it's got to be sketchy. That's gotta, what I said. It's got to be like drugs or something. You got to tell the story. I don't think he, it's drugs. He's very like, it comes across as like, not like there's um parts where like, because uh, Greg is staying in like, Tommy was at his multiple houses and apartments. He has one in LA and Greg wants to be an actor. So he lets him stay there. And Greg has like one friend. So Tommy comes and stays and answers the phone and like loses it on him because he has another friend. 
<laughs> and is like, oh, so that's your best friend now? Like, threatens to kick him out of the apartment. Someone knocks on the door who's a neighbor that the guy barely knows, and, like, he loses it. Much he also like brings- the room. <laughs> you need to, you need to oh tell the story God. of the original Mark. Huh? Okay. <laughs> so, so first of all, this guy's name is Dan. Tommy always called him Don. <laughs> and so Greg also had to call him Don, this poor man. <laughs> and, um, oh, no. Throughout, like, uh... He keeps, like, the entire time uh, when he wants to make the room, he keeps asking Greg to be Mark. And Greg is like, no, I'll help you, like, cast people. Like, do all, like, the background stuff except, like, directing and filming. But he's like, no, I want you to be Mark. And he offers him some large amount of money that's not disclosed in the book and a new oh, car. No. So um, the way he does it to, uh, he says that um, on filming sets, so I guess this whole time they've been filming, everyone thinks it's filming, they never actually recorded Don. And Don's been going to months of rehearsals and whatnot and so then um he they say to everyone okay we want to the producers also whoever's producing it he names off these people who are all like dead <laughs> like, dead ass, like and um so they end up he says wait uh, they're dead now or yeah, they were dead then oh shit they Jesus. were yeah like there's no way there's other producers he just has like six million dollars so um he says the producers want film of greg for future things so we're gonna have them do a scene <laughs> and the scene they do the first thing um is the uh the one where denny the weird kid who yeah. fun fact that actor was older than all the other actors <laughs> you can tell. yeah he's playing a young guy and he, he's so old and greasy looking <laughs> and then um the other guy who's like the drug dealer is like one of greg's friends who um was like in the olympics for bobsledding from some like romania or some weird thing like that so Checks they um <laughs> so um they all start realizing like while recording like oh, like, he's doing all of Don's scenes, and then Don gets, like, forced out, and then he has to pretty much write a check. And then the original uh, Michelle, this girl Brianna, who those other Don and Brianna were dating, they end up, she gets fired, too. He threw a water bottle at her head because she asked for water (laughs) because they were shooting, like, in the heat, and then in this, like, studio space that um, the people who sold them all the filming equipment let them have because they're like, well, you spent a million dollars here. Like, I guess Mm. you can rent it out. And she asked for water, so he threw a water bottle at her head. And I was like, no. Tommy, Tommy only drinks hot water. He doesn't even drink he it. He just share. gets hot. He just needs the hot water. He just, no. No, the He's, first yeah. chapter is they go to a restaurant. He like, the first drink. scene is them. He goes to a restaurant, and, like, he doesn't have a reservation. He's just, like, naming off names until one sticks. And it's, like, John Party of Four. And he's like, yeah, sure. <laughs> so it's just <laughs> him and Greg sit down. He never tips more than, like, $5 on a $100 bill. He Oh, he doesn't let, um... Or uh, valets park his car because he's scared someone's going to fart in his car. Like, that's legitimately <laughs> one of his fears. But then he usually forgets and eventually just lets them do it. Oh, okay. my God. You're, see, I, I bought this book a while ago, and it's, like, back in my queue of books to read. But you're convincing you me to read it. I, I can't wait. I, I'm it's really read, good. I'm yeah. reading this book as soon as you're too. done with yeah. it. Like. I mean, everything, yeah, everything I've ever read about Tommy Wiseau, he's... It, it, this fits the bill. Like, he's the most idiosyncratic person you can possibly imagine. Well, also, Greg is really good at describing him. He'll say things like, yeah, he looks like Gene Simmons who's been lost in the desert for three months. And, like, <laughs> other things. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's such a mystery. And like, we, we talked about it before, how like, this movie would, like, no one would have ever seen it, and it wouldn't even be like a joke movie if he didn't have the money to buy real film There's equipment because it looks real. There. Uh, wait, There's what? a phone number you can call that used to be the number for the LA apartment he had that like is convincing people to go. I haven't called it yet, but was it, says it the you... one on the billboard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That you can call and it's like, come see the room in his weird voice. I'm gonna call it tonight. I was gonna kind of wait till I finish the book to call it and see. I, 
<laughs> you want to call it? Yeah, hold on. Call it right now. I am so excited for the James Franco film. Oh my like, god, we saw the we saw the trailer again for the last uh, movie that we went to, and yeah. it was oh, I just yeah. can't. I, I may be more excited for this movie than for yeah. Star Wars. <laughs> I mean, typically trailers, as comedy trailers, are not very funny because the people who make trailers are not the people who make the jokes. So yeah, you know, so they don't know what's really funny. This is a genuinely funny trailer. Also, as long as we're talking about that while Guy is looking this up, we should talk about the Deadpool trailer that just came out. Because it's... Ooh, I it's was, great. I was lower on the first Deadpool movie than most people, but this trailer is fucking hilarious. It's not really even a trailer. Like, it's just like... Yeah, it's, it's a promo video. <laughs> it's essentially... It's a teaser more than anything. It's, it's Ryan Reynolds in full costume, but in with... full Bob Ross. With a Bob Ross wig painting a Bob Ross painting, and he's just, like, making these little comments like, ooh, look, I, I love cocaine. Look yeah, at all this funny. white. I just want to take a bath yeah. in okay, it. Okay, she's calling I the number. Cocaine. Guy's calling the number. Uh, all right, Guy is about to call the Tommy Wiseau. Is it dialing? <gasps> Hi, Richard. Hotline for The Room. For scheduling of The Room, please go to www.theroommovie.com. For merchandising, go to tommywiseau.com, T-O-M-M-Y-W-I-S-E-A-U, or www.theroommovie.com. Thank you for your support. Enjoy The Room. And we'll see you at the screening of The Room. And keep in mind, with a special screening of The Room, go to www.theroommovie.com. And uh, if you'd like to screen the room, please send us email. Contact is on our website, theroommovie.com. Thank you very much for support. Enjoy the room. Oh, Tommy Wiseau <laughs> has unlocked a new realm of the internet that is not the World Wide Web. It's just, it's just the worldwide. Yeah. Okay, so when um, I first saw the room with Hunter, we actually we went to um the room website. He sells his own underwear that just says Tommy Wiseau yes. on the bands. Oh like my that's God. a big that's thing. That's fucking hot. I like Calvin it. Klein style. Yeah, like it's just like regular like briefs and boxers. Yeah. Um, no he, women's underwear because he, he's sexist. He had textile <laughs> sales in his murky past that I read about. It's like almost um. It's like he sells, it's kind of mentioned in the book. I think one of the reasons he has money is he has like this brand of clothing where he sells like Levi's and stuff like that, but knockoff, or maybe he yeah. steals them. Yeah, and that's, then that's what I read them. about. Like, he, it, no one knows how he acquired the capital to get these clothes, but he sold them and he made a lot of money. And he always has the bags around his apartment. It's really weird when people ask him, like, ha, yeah. ha, ha. I'm looking at his site. Just, the, these underwear are fucking... Li- yeah, I'm on the website right now. Christmas these underwear presents. are lit. The only thing with the disaster artist is that I wish that it really uncovered the truth of Tommy Wiseau's past. It just, I, I just need to know more about this character. I need to meet him in person. I have Dude. so many questions. I, I I can't even imagine. I'll set a giant jug of hot water in front of him and be like, <laughs> all right, life story, go. <laughs> There, okay, so he's also selling two different windbreakers that are actually really cool looking. <laughs> like one of them is black and it has a logo that looks like the NASA logo until you zoom in and it says Tommy Planet on it. <laughs> and then the other one is a is a white and blue uh, accented windbreaker and it just says Love is Blind, Tommy Wiseau. Oh, oh my, my god, god, that's the one I need to get. It's, There's, they're um, very cheap. It's Christmas 23 present. Bucks. There's this uh, part in the book. So you know that part that's like, Lisa, you're tearing me apart? Yeah. Um, They had a problem because he kept thinking it was, Lisa, you're taking me apart. And he kept saying <laughs> it. He wouldn't stop. And like he kept having problems with the line. He just kept being like, he can't Lisa, speak you're... English line he had to keep asking so people are like laughing so hard he's like getting so enraged and they like greg had to stop and be like it's tearing you keep saying it's taking 
it's tearing mm-hmm. you apart. And he's like, okay, yeah, I got it, I got it, and just like that's just can't like do the it. trailer for the movie. Yeah, that's like a well with that part at least he was going through. They had like this makeshift shed because um you know they couldn't get on a real rooftop no like they could have (laughs) (laughs) he said no it's a real hollywood movie yeah big hollywood movie we have to do it this way and um, on a fucking green screen (laughs) yeah so he kept like having to bust through and like he would just like forget like every time he got through the shed he would just forget what he was supposed to say because it was just like what's going on yeah but the other one like he just had to stay there and say lisa you're tearing me apart and he just it took like three, two or three hours for them to get through that scene. One line. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to buy one of these windbreakers. Yeah. Oh, like, ka-ching, ka-ching. I'm going to feel like Ryan Gosling in Drive, yeah. basically. <laughs> buy, buy my merch. Okay, so now that's the disaster artist promoting the new James Franco film. Uh, well, very the book excited. came first. Yeah, yeah, you know. The but. movie's promoting the book. Watch The Room, then read The Disaster Artist, then watch The Disaster Artist. Then uh, coming now, next month, n- we're gonna need a movie that is starring Tommy Wiseau as James Franco, and then James Franco reprising well, his role um, as Tommy Wiseau. This isn't him as James Franco, but him and Greg are actually pairing up to make a new movie um, based on, and you read about in the book, a road trip they took together too, because <laughs> Tommy Wiseau is obsessed with James Dean, so they take a road trip to a diner that's like themed like James Dean. Oh, wow. Before he dies. Nice. Well, uh, I just, but wouldn't you rather it be a period piece where Tommy Wiseau plays James Dean? And also James Franco, Franco plays James Dean, yeah. as he has before. And they're just both like, oh, what is that? We're both James Dean? Oh, no. Oh, hey, Mark. <laughs> All right, let's get to what we've been watching. So you guys, Hunter and Gaia, got to see, who was it? I- fall Boys? <laughs> the Fall Boys? Fallout 3 New Vegas. <laughs> Um, we saw Fallout Boy, the greatest band of in, all time. In the flesh. I only cried like four saw times. Sorry, dads. My fathers. Nice. My forefathers. Oh, that works. Oh! oh. oh thank you, guys. <laughs> oh, my um, God. Um, so, so yeah, how, you how went to it? Tampa to see them? Yes. Nice. At the uh, Amelie Arena. How was their set list in terms of percentage of things you wanted to hear versus didn't? It wasn't bad. I mean, it was all like the hits, I guess, but... I wouldn't expect them because I've listened to them for so long that I like every single song and they're not going to play deep cuts for shows because they want the masses to come out. They want it to be things everyone can sing along yeah. to. Although there yeah. was a couple deeper cuts, which I lost my shit. Like they play Hum Hallelujah, one of my <laughs> all time favorite Fall Out Boy songs and Gaia will vouch. Yeah. I lost my shit whenever they He was like headbanging, but also like thrashing <laughs> and yeah. like windmilling. That's funny. And uh, they closed on... A song from their very first album, uh, Saturday, which Whoa. is a great song. Okay, great song. Cool. We, me and uh, Hunter and Ernest and friend of the pod Brett and Grant and his girlfriend Tori all saw them in 2014 at Big O Fest along with Weezer. Yeah, the first guys. and last Big O Fest. I will say that this was definitely a better show than Big O. Just uh, good. There. <laughs> Okay, no, there. I will say, like, for a band that's been touring for as long as Fall Out Boy has been, like, they put on a fucking show. They had two different stages. Well, I guess technically three. And the two of them that they went to, the B stage, quote unquote, rose up into the air. And they had all kinds of pyrotechnics, like little like mini fireworks and shit. It was it was a wild well, show. They even had in the background, like, um, what was it during Champion? They had yeah. um. 
Colin, no, 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 it wasn't. Champions. It was a uh, centuries. Centuries. They had like Colin Kaepernick and all the NFL players like kneeling in the background. Yeah. No, it was. It was. Um, I have a new appreciation for that song now, like knowing what it's about and the subject. But matter. tasteless. They had Princess Diana, uh, like videos of like Whoa. her in the background during uh, Champion. But the lyrics are, "If I can live through this, I can do anything." But she dies, so I was like, "That doesn't mm. really." Guess she couldn't do anything. Oh. Well, we lived through the Princess Diana um, dying, I so we do, do have a comment because since I started listening to them when I was around eight years old, uh, when From Under the Cork Tree came out, and I never saw them until a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. so I'd watch videos online of their performances, but now they're all dads. So it used to be mm-hmm. like Pete and Joe would do like, like kind of like a backflip off of each other, and they'd be jumping around True. and moving, but they're like tired and old now. Well, the good thing is Boy. that Patrick Stump has had dad bods since he was like eighteen. He, remember, he <laughs> lost all that weight when he went solo to do um yeah oh, to man. do that like pop dance album. Yeah, step one. Oh, drink. <laughs> yeah, no, that was bad. But um, but they did have a runway, so every time they came down, I would start screaming and smacking Hunter like Joe's <laughs> coming, Pete's coming, and we were <laughs> like right by the runway and by and the B of, stage. Yeah, so we saw like um when the so. They came from like underground and the stage rose up and um, like Ooh. Andy was playing drums and Joe was playing uh, bass, I assume. Yeah, like we were so close to the drums when they rose up that it has that whole effect where you know that the drums are mic'd. So it almost sounds like the song. I don't like, like this they were a half step ahead. Yeah, it sounds like they're the like ahead of the song, but oh, it was so, so cool. So you were because, that close. Yeah, we were literally right there. Like I could see the drums and I was you like, could see their sweat. Yeah. Mm. They were like, they would stand over the stage and look down at us and I'd be like, oh, it was oh just like amazing seeing like that they were real. Like as soon as I heard Patrick's voice, I was just like, oh wow, like a this real is life rock band. And you know, it like it had the same effect of whenever we saw Arcade Fire live uh, a few weeks ago. Or oh yeah, the month, same. And yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but like that. You, when you see a song that you're not a huge fan of, and then you see it live, and it, it puts makes it, it a better. totally different perspective. The only like, one that I thought about that was American Beauty, American Psycho, because I didn't like it, but I was still like jamming out because I'm like, this is like. I felt that way about a lot of their like. I mean, like with Centuries, especially just because it was like pretty powerful, like the way, and then you like you see the images behind them, and you kind of you listen to the lyrics more, and you kind of think about what they're saying more and it, it it really like it means more to you um immortals was really great just like all it was just a great show great concert well the only thing i would say i didn't like was that since it was so like they do the same set every night everything is like to a beat like timed yeah it's almost that i'm just like it's almost impersonal in a way that like like when so we're rehearsed. gonna go see the front bombs on Sunday. We're all going and like the set list changes every night so every it's night gonna be a surprise Spoiler. Preview. I'm excited um, for that. I'm no, so but uh, I mean, I feel like you have to do that whenever you get older as a band, though, just because you're like 40. Like, you they're have not, to have it. In their 30s. Okay. No, no, no. But I, you still, you know what I mean, though? Like, when you're older, like, you have to have everything down to a beat well, of what exactly tired. you're like, going through. There's times where they're coming down the runway and, like, they're, like, just in their eyes. It you has can see, to like, be The rehearsed. tour's already wearing down on them and they're yeah. not even halfway and through. And they've been just touring for. Decades, yeah. like bands over when they took decade. that four-year break, that broke my heart. Yeah. Yeah. Their own shade. Bands don't necessarily save their best for Tampa. <laughs> um, I don't know. Pete once came out in a Tampa Lightning jersey. Whoa! Hey. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was, people lost their shit at that. <laughs> I do funny. wish... Like we live in Tampa. Yeah. <laughs> I wish we could have seen them in uh, Chicago, because in Chicago, they always play a ton of their like deep cuts, because they're from Chicago. Ah. So they always play like... Okay, okay. Let's, let's go around the horn with our favorite Fall Out Boy albums. I'll start with the correct answer, which is from Under the Cork Tree. Fuck you. 
Gaia? False. Infinity on high. All yeah, the way. yeah, yeah. Infinity yeah. on high. Come on. I can't. Is this your bold hot take that you were telling us about? It might as well be because I will not. I'm firm with this. It's good. It's amazing. From Under the Cork Tree is my second favorite album. I will say that since dating Gaia. Oh, by the way, listeners, if you didn't know, Garner or Dayton. Or Porkin. Or fucking. Jesus. Just kidding. We're saving that for marriage. In five to seven years. This is a Christian podcast. But, uh, I have gotten a lot more into Foley Ado since we've been yeah. together. Oh, I play Foley that Ado's pretty a frequently. Great Do you want to know what the gem is? She's my Winona. I fucking love that song. I like. You're uh, looking at me like no, you don't know that. Coffee for closers. Coffee for closers and um. Head, for, head first slide no. into Cooperstown on a bad bet. Yeah. And no, Tiffany Blues is also like a really That was good one of the first albums where I was like reading my mom's copy of Entertainment Weekly and they gave it like four stars. And I was, oh, I was like, oh, sick new Fall Out Boy. And then I listened to it and I don't think I was. It's funny to say with Fall Out Boy, but I wasn't old enough for it yet. Oh, I, know, I got <laughs> that I was, like, album 12, maybe. when it came out. Uh, I was in sixth grade. I got for Christmas and then I didn't start listening to it again until I was like 16 or 17. And I like that's when I could appreciate it more because I feel like you had to be like. It's more of a grown-up album. Yeah, it's, yeah. Like more mature. it's their fourth it. album. At that point, like they're writing as more mature artists. Mm-hmm. My favorite Fall Out Boy song is Thanks for the Memes. <laughs> okay. Me. I'm going to kill myself. Let's just end <laughs> it Thanks now. For the <laughs> Bye. <laughs> All right. What else have you guys been watching? What is The Keepers? Oh, okay. my. That was, this actually speaks a lot to what we were just talking about earlier with Louie and all these other people coming out with sexual assault uh, allegations. Uh-oh. This is a show that Gaia showed me that is about a uh, Catholic. Do you want me Catholic to just say school. it yeah, since just, I started watching it? it? Okay. Yeah. So um, I started watching it just kind of on a whim. Um, so it's about, there's a school um, in Baltimore, Maryland, and it's called Keogh, and it's a private Catholic girls' school um, that you apply to get into. And it turns out, so a nun actually from there gets murdered. And is it's this, like a is real, this it's a real. documentary? It's yeah, a it's Netflix a documentary. documentary. Yeah. Oh, okay. And um, she gets murdered, but it, uh, it's kind of like, a, as you go through the documentary, you realize um, their head priest, who's the school counselor, is like brutally raping and molesting like almost every girl oh, in the school. Because it's so small, like they, almost every day, multiple girls get called in. There was one girl who had it really bad. He would have um, his friends come in and rape her. Uh, he would say, um, so it Jesus. all started for this one girl. He, she went to confessional, and he was there, and she confessed her um, uncle had been raping her for years. And it turned out that he was like, let me see your face and your name. And then she, he was actually masturbating while she was like telling him this. And then so he would say, you need to be cleansed. You need to have God inside of you or oh God's no. liquid inside of you oh. and on your face. Oh my it's and, so um, So what happened? So the girl, the nun who was murdered, her name was uh, Sister Kathy Sesnick. And um, she pretty much, she knew everything that was going on. And she was the only person to stand up against him. And once she did, surprisingly, a few days later, she was murdered mm. and left out in the woods. Oh boy! God damn! And then so it's all is- about this guy, like Joseph Maskell, and all this stuff. Like he would, he there. There was this one uh, person who ended up after uh, one of the uh, one of the former students comes out and tries to start this allegation against him and tries to like build this case against him. And she tells a story about how Maskell took her to a gynecologist and he watched as the gynecologist raped her god and it's it's some of the most disgusting well, things the that, same like, woman with the allegations yeah. he took her to the nun's dead body and said see what happens when you say bad things about people to her dead body <sighs> and so and she didn't want to say anything she doesn't want to be murdered um he held like people like there was a girl whose father was a police officer so he was like loading and unloading a gun in the 
in his office and then was like, if you say anything and like pull the trigger against your head while it's empty, it was like, but next time it'll be loaded if you tell your father. Yeah. So like that's that's awful. Yeah. So I'm looking up. So it's just it's one season essentially about the yeah, one seven crime. Episodes. Seven episodes. Yeah. Okay. Damn. We've watched four or five of the episodes. Four episodes. Four episodes. It's. It's great. I mean, it's hard to watch at points, but it's really, really well made and like well put together. It's one of those things. I mean, it's like any great documentary should do. As you're watching it, you realize how much of a wormhole it is. And like you just keep going down and you learn more and more despicable things. And I haven't actually looked up what exactly happened to (laughs) Maskell because. I just want to see this person rot in prison for the rest yeah. of his life. Or you haven't finished just, watching. Well, there's yeah. um, they we're at the point where they're describing where um, what they do with the priests, the the archbishop send them to this oh, like yeah. almost like a treatment center, and they say they're depressed and stuff, not saying that they're raping or molesting children, and so like the center had to like start telling them like if you're not gonna give us a whole file saying what they're doing, you can't send your priest here because it was a way to get around the priests coming out like in the public you can't release medical records you know of what someone's doing if they're somewhere so they wouldn't they wouldn't know anything i guess was happening like in the church and the church wouldn't be blamed yeah but, well um, and they also talk about how the archbishop just like basically dismisses everything about the allegations they're like oh well that's not enough evidence so we uh, can't do anything but then about the center had to like stop accepting these people because they weren't getting enough information so they just kind of stopped but like the abuse is still happening i guess they just sent them somewhere else and also it's it's important to note like this all took place before the spotlight incident yes that's what i was just about to mention yeah is that this all took place before that about all this investigative journalism into the catholic church so so many people got away with it because it was 1969 that um, and everybody was just like you can't say all these bad things about the church there are spot there are a place where we can be close with god and all these things so they just totally dismissed it Spotlight so got away with it. Spotlight is, I mean, it's it's a true story, obviously, but it's what nineties, two thousands, nineties, yeah, early nineties, I think. Yeah. Um, so it's a fairly recent thing. Yeah, that was like early two thousands. The, the Catholic Church okay. has been cracked yeah, down on. And, and just in general, this is a very timely series to come out because if you haven't read up on like the Catholic Church incident or just you know, the I don't past, even know what you Spotlight. What is Spotlight? Is uh, it's a movie that won the Oscar for Best Picture a year or two back, and it's about Mark Ruffalo, and it's a very it's based on true events of this one uh, unit of a Boston new, of the Boston Herald uncovering this massive scandal within the Catholic Catholic Church in which of like covering hundreds, up, yeah. hundreds of people were yeah they covered up priests molesting children uh, which is why it's essentially become like a you know a known like meme almost Wh- at this point. one of the most harrowing moments in that film is when at when it ends it comes up with like just white text on a black screen of all of the priests all over the world or is it the names of the it's priests the or is the, the city or is it the places it's a long list of like all the the pretty sure it's the the priests all over the world that have been found out yeah. of like it's an incredible children amount. and yeah. it just keeps going is it a documentary going. or is it um no it's a, it's a drama no. yeah but it it's stars it's fiction it's like all, it's, it's, it's all fiction, very basic. realistic yeah, fiction yeah it's yeah. like starring michael keaton and mark ruffalo and several other yeah. famous people it's a good movie but so I this think, is. This I mean, I think like names are changed and stuff like that. But it's pretty yeah. from everything I've looked up about that it's pretty realistic to what was actually happening Definitely. at the Boston Herald um, during yeah, that time. So this the the keepers. It's a very obviously a very timely thing to come out because a lot of people are learning right now. If you haven't read up about that incident or just about the past in general, that we're 
one or two or now we're learning zero generations removed from men in power being able to do whatever they wanted to women and children so i mean the more people are aware of this and the more it's just very you know open and known by everyone the more hopefully it won't happen yeah at some at some point it has to I'm, stop i'm hoping that like this is finally going to be the generation like this could be the best thing that social media and stuff like this has done for our society is that it's reaching the point where you can't get away with this kind of shit anymore like people are speaking up now more than they ever have before um this year keo closed in may Uh, so may 2017 um they noticed a decline like every year of students enrolling because as their parents grew up and these kids are growing one they don't want to send their kids there and then you know like i'm assuming because we haven't finished it that math school i know he did leave but i'm assuming the Everyone found out, and the abuse didn't continue, but it still left a bad taste in everyone's mouth, so it, um, they released a documentary right around, right before it got closed. Okay. So that's The Keepers on Netflix. You can check it if out. If you're a documentary fan, like I highly recommend it. It's, it's very, very well, very well made. Mm-hmm. I can say it's exceptionally well made. So did you guys watch The Good Place? No. Oh, I have. <laughs> I mean, just overall thoughts because we're about to we've reached the mid season break. Yeah, um, it's a fun ep. I mean, it's another. It advances the the whole Janet thing. It doesn't like end on any like huge like cliffhangers or anything like that. That I'm like, oh god. Yeah. I mean, there is like one big thing, the very final shot. Right. But it's it's a good it's a good midway point through the yeah, season. Yeah, and Jason Manzukas is absolutely he's great. He's so fucking good. hilarious. He's so good. He is literally the perfect counterpart. Yeah. To uh, um, Janet. Yeah, oh, and, yeah. I, and I love show. how they just focus on her character more this season. Mm-hmm. It's, it's yeah. A I mean, they realize that Darcy Carden is a fucking hilarious actress. Yeah. She's so good. She, like, she she's so great. Is. Like, also, side note, um, if if you're on Twitter, I've been following this guy Ken Tremendous for a long time on Twitter because he, you know, he's he's in tight with a bunch of people like Megan Amram, writer for The Good Place, and all of them. They always talk about him. He, I, th- I just figured he was some producer for Fremulon, the company that makes yeah. all these like The Office and Parks and Rec and all them. It's actually Mike Schur. Ken Tremendous is Mike Schur, if you follow what? Ken Tremendous. What? Yeah. Really? Yeah, it's just like a pseudonym, <laughs> I guess. But so he, he doesn't have two Twitters? Is That's just the one? No, it's just him. I just oh. I just found that out like yesterday. Oh, I was oh like, my God. I've been liking Mike Schur's tweets this whole nice. time. Nice. <laughs> well, yeah, The Good Place will be back in 2018 to finish out its season, and we'll keep talking about it. It's definitely one of the best shows on TV right now, so yeah. you should and check it out. It's only getting better. Yeah, it's, it's great. All right, so Hunter and I got the chance to check out this very strange film last night. From the director Yorgos, writer director Yorgos Lanthimos, uh, made the room, dog tooth, or I mean not the, the, room, not the room. room, the lobster, <laughs> the lobster. And oh, Yorgos Lanthimos is actually Tommy Wiseau. Whoa. I don't know if you knew that. It's a ghostwriter name. <laughs> so yeah, if you've seen the lobster, you know that it's a film starring um, Colin Farrell and uh, Rachel Weisz about a world in which people have to go to this hotel to find their yeah their um they have to f- yeah they have to find their, their soulmate their match to procreate with within else, like a month or else they will be turned into a lobster no an animal well yeah an animal colin farrell it, says he wants to be turned into a lobster it's such a bizarre movie if you think deadpan if like think, satire if you, think, if you hear that description you're like oh i'm missing something you're not like that's just it. <laughs> yeah it's very weird uh it's I, like i enjoyed it's it. very dark like deadpan humor yeah, it was like a darker it, it had kind of a wes anderson feel to it with all the prim properness of everything yeah how just like 
this horrible shit is happening. They're all just like, oh, very well. All right. Continue yeah. on. You know, it's it's a weird movie, but it's I, it's just funny in the, the strangest, most uncomfortable ways, much like the killing of a sacred deer. Like, okay. I Funny is not a word that I would use to describe killing of we, the sacred deer. We laughed a lot in that in that movie. But it's dude. the most uncomfortable laughing. It's. I, yeah, Drew, but Yorgos intends that. Yeah, no, I mean, that's the whole point is this whole... I I can't really speak to anything about the plot just because I think that the way that you should experience this movie is not knowing anything. Even the trailers are good to you know absolutely nothing about what you're getting in for into. There's just this massive sense of uncertainty the whole time that, while you're watching it. Um, I have not had a chance to see The Lobster yet, but from what I've been able to tell from you guys and from reading online reviews and everything is that this is kind of a theme within a Lanthimos's movies. It's a writing style. I think in terms of like how he writes his dialogue, how he writes it and how he directs. It's very monotone almost. And very so deadpan, very flat, deadpan, nonchalant. I would almost say like, it's just like, Oh, I'm going to die. Okay. Some, some things that, that are, I think are okay to know going into this movie. Non-spoilery is it again, stars Colin Farrell. But this time Nicole Kidman. But this time he's paired with Nicole Kidman, who is absolutely phenomenal in this movie. She gives, I think, an awards worthy performance. I, I love Colin Farrell as well. Uh, I think he does a great job, but I think uh Kidman outshines him. And essentially the without giving too much away, Colin Farrell plays a heart surgeon, and the bulk of the film takes place in his world, in his home and his work at the hospital and some weird shit happens yeah and we <laughs> Nicole can also Kidman say- is his wife and you 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 know you, the the cast of characters is his family and 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 we can the, also the say surrounding uh, barry keoghan who you might recognize if you google his face uh from being in Dunkirk. Yeah, he he's was the guy in the boat. The really ugly looking fucker in yeah, the boat I see, in Dunkirk. Yeah, I see. yeah, let's not spoil any more than that because, I mean, I just it's, not, say, it's not only us that haven't seen it, no one has seen this yeah, movie. I promise no, you. No, no, no. It's like, I, I want people to go see it just because it's extremely original and it has the most... I I was laughing at the same time, like, covering my mouth and being like, what the fuck, what the fuck, what yeah. the fuck is happening? Like, just one small point in the movie is uh, Colin Farrell... <laughs> Just sits down with his son in the most monotone voice ever and was like, you tell a secret and then I'll tell a secret. My secret is... Don't tell the secret. Don't tell the secret. Don't tell the secret. I want to know the secret. I like secrets. I'll tell you the secret. He just gives a very like... Uh, unsettling and strange and disgusting personal story. And it just moves on to the next beat like it's nothing. And you're like... That, is see, that is what? it inappropriate to say to a yes. son? Yes, very. That, that sounds like the lobster to me. <laughs> and okay, so this movie is uh, beautiful. It's very, very well shot. It's very well acted, directed, and written. And I think it's one of my favorite movies of the year for okay. sure. I, I loved it. I don't know if I can say that I loved it as much as you. I definitely enjoyed it a lot. Um, I think it was... My biggest problem with this movie is that in other movies that are really dis- like disturbing and unsettling, there's a purpose to it, and I haven't quite been able to figure out what the purpose is in this movie besides being unsettling for the sake of being unsettling. Yeah, and I I, agree. I, I still I really really enjoyed this movie. Don't get me wrong, and I think that everybody should go out and see it because it's one of the most it's by far one of the most original movies of the year. That's and what I love about it. it. I've never seen there's anything a, like there's it. There's nothing like it. Yeah. But I 
can't say that I truly like loved love this movie. Okay, um, but we were see when we finished watching it, we were comparing it to Mother because it, it kind of like shares a little bit of DNA it with does, it and like not. It, you don't really and know what's happening. You don't know what's happening, like and guessing. it's also shot kind of similarly. A lot of shots, uh, like trailing behind a person. A lot of shots from either above or below yeah. a person. Um, and I will say this is definitely way better. Bl- blows. It, it's dramatically a better movie than Mother. Yeah. I was not much of a fan of Mother at all. We know, as we <laughs> talked about in the podcast, I really did not care for Mother whatsoever. Um, and I think that this handles a lot of the issues a lot better than Mother. Then again, these movies are completely different. Mm. It's just about in tone and style more than just anything the, else. The whole sense of like kind of holding the audience hostage a little bit by withholding information. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, 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 yeah. I get yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. Okay, let's let's not spoil anymore though. So that's the killing of a sacred deer. It's in limited release. I'm going to assume. Yeah, very um, limited. But check it out. It's, right. it's, if it's if it's playing, near I, you, recommend like, I recommend it. Yeah, now, bef- I, I would definitely. Before we it. get to my baby boy Nathan Fielder, should we take a break? Let's, let's take, take a break, break. before right, we yeah, get into I it because I have a lot of thoughts. We're gonna we're gonna take a break and when we uh when we get back into it we're gonna talk the magnum opus that is nathan for you finding francis we'll be back this podcast is brought to you by wine drink the whole bottle before even the first break Picasso, Deuteronomy. Snatch a piece of my wondering. This didn't fall like yonder in. Skin of a tooth like, skin of a tooth like, fly my tooth like. Where's the waitress? Can't take this really confident. What? You're telling oh, yeah? the story. <laughs> <laughs> I think oh. Hunter's lying. I was trying to Hollywood handbook us. You know what I call the thing that I washed myself with in the shower? Lufa Rigno. <laughs> uh, Lufa's dirty Rigno. Let's talk about the last time that we wet the bed. I'll start. Hunter was yesterday. Um, that was, well, technically today. Yeah, it was um, this morning. It was this morning. We woke up. It was in a pile of pee It was warm, at least. Um, the dog was barking at us because he was like, you get to pee-pee in the bed, but I don't get to pee-pee in the bed. Mm. Um, and then we just like, we decided to lay in it till about four in the afternoon today. Beautiful. I smell it. And we're back. <laughs> okay. So. We bought a mic. The season finale. We bought a pee-pee. The hyped on this pod and this pod only season finale series question mark of finale? Nathan for you was on last week. This week, it was called Finding Francis. It was a two-hour-long episode of Nathan for you. First of all, no show does that ever. No thirty-minute comedy just has a casual two-hour episode. That's crazy. I can't believe Comedy Central was cool yeah. with it. Like, well, bravo to them. Nathan, I, in the podcast with Nathan, he uh, he referenced. He was like, "Yeah, we we ended up cutting Comedy it Bang Bang." And no, it was oh, Bill Simmons. It was the Bill the Simmons podcast. He was like, "Yeah, we we ended up just we knew we would need more time, so we just made the episode and then we brought it to Kent Alterman, who's the president of Comedy Central, and they just showed it to him. And after he watched it, he was like, you can have two hours, because <laughs> um, how can you deny it after watching this?' So it was called Finding Francis. 
you to know the character it centers around you have to be kind of familiar with nathan for you because it's about the bill gates impersonator that nathan hires a couple different times just to be there basically he made his debut in season two yeah he's an embarrassingly bad bill gates impersonator he's almost a senile old man (laughs) um i think he just decided to impersonate bill gates because his name is also bill yeah perhaps he doesn't look like him I mean, Nathan came by this story and the topic of this whole episode very naturally because he, I mean, he mentioned it just in filming with this guy and like they ended up doing DVD commentary with him. He just kept on mentioning this one name, Francis, and he was just like, I got to find her. I got to find her. He's like, like where I should have married her. Yeah. Nathan. So Nathan is never one to like, you know, kind of bury the lead. Like he was like, I got to, you know, maybe if maybe I uh, make an episode out of this. And it unfolded into a series of events, events that Nathan could have never predicted. Um, first of all... It's a journey. Yeah. First of all, if you never... I mean, I'm sure you haven't, but the DVD commentary for the one they're talking about, it's for the season two. I have that DVD. They they talk to uh, Bill because it, they're doing it over the Johnny Depp impersonator mm-hmm. episode where they use him. And he is crazy that's why i was excited for this because in that commentary like you get a little taste of what bill's all about like at a certain point through it he picks up the phone and he has an argument on mic with at&t about his phone bill for about (laughs) nine minutes during the commentary and nathan obviously nathan and uh the creator of the show jason walliner they're not ones to just be like all right well let's restart so they're just like so what was that all about bill (laughs) they get into his little squabble so anyway, after you know they got to know him a little a little better, and so Nathan decides. Well, he to, kept coming back to the office. Yeah. So yeah, and uh, he just keeps coming back. So Nathan decides to follow him on this on this little journey. So they end up flying out the whole production crew and Bill and Nathan to uh, his uh, Bill's hometown of Dumas, Arkansas, where this whole love story unfolded like fifty years before. I want to say, and they're just going off of a first name. All just they know is Francis. And they knew the maiden name of this person. But at this point, this is fifty years later. She could have been married. Well, no, he wasn't even sure of her maiden name. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. It, what it becomes is this sprawling story that's a metaphor for loneliness, and it's incredibly sad yet also hopeful. Like what it becomes, I'm sure he couldn't have predicted. But like even watching it, I was like, how is he going to get two hours? Let's out of this let's bullshit? just say, if you listener have no idea what Nathan for you is and still after all these episodes you still haven't watched a single episode you can watch this two hour special without watching anything else and still get something out of it it is an absolutely magnificent piece of filmmaking yeah i would put it in my top 10 movies of the year yeah no i mean top five top one what's number one (laughs) negative one it's it's genuinely unbelievable the first thing i want to highlight is how incredibly creative nathan has to get because they put a lot into this they they banked on it. they were like all right we're gonna fly everyone out yeah. to arkansas we're gonna stay there until we figure this out and spoilers With- for this uh two-hour special we're gonna get into it so yeah. if you would rather just not know anything just scroll down yeah. and skip past it skip because- ahead to we fought a mic don't miss that yeah, yeah. So- but this thing is just so <laughs> moving and uncomfortable yeah. And insightful. So, so like I was saying, the creativity—they have no leads. They have to generate all of what happens in this just on their creativity alone. So, like for example, they have to get into the high school (laughs) that, like, they know that this girl went to. So, what they decide to do is act like they are the the crew of the movie Mud Two, which was shot in Dumas, Arkansas. Yeah, because Mud One was shot in Dumas. 
Bill lives in Little Rock, but she's from Dumas, so they end up in Dumas. So they're acting like a film crew, and they're like in the library, like, oh yeah, this will be a great scene. Uh, and they end up getting the yearbook. So they get like little leads, like one at a time. But the whole time, you're just like, how are they going to pull this out? Well, um, Nathan is pulling these elaborate schemes that he usually, the sort of thing he usually does for his show, but just to get the slightest little shred yeah. of information that may or may not be yeah. useful. And you come to doubt Bill as a character. You come to doubt his credibility because he's weird in the first place. And well, then- shout out to uh, The Ringer, who has a great article on this finale. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. They, they, they have a, a, we'll link it down in the show notes, but the the author of that article just talks about how Bill is a perfect foil to Nathan and is somewhat of uh, has somewhat of an immunity to Nathan's antics because he can't really yeah he this man is so strange he's and so like, detached that he's not picking up on anything um, Nathan's doing the awkwardness does not affect Bill because Bill is like equally awkward but in a more oblivious way and um so he has the um so this is spoiler the escort. Yes. Yeah, because, you know, going on with the loneliness. um, Yeah, Macy, she makes a comment to him, like, you're mean to people, you know, like, you're, you're like... When he shows Yeah, because he manipulates people, you know, it's like, we all love Nathan Fielder, but his whole job is manipulating people and then being unaware. Mm -hmm. Um, But that goes back to Bill doesn't, it doesn't face him because he doesn't see it as being manipulated. He doesn't see it as being embarrassed. And he's almost, he's almost manipulating Nathan himself. yeah, Yeah. Yeah, it reaches that point where... Nathan finally has to reel Bill back in, which totally flips Nathan's entire character, which his MO is all about seeing how far he can stretch people and manipulate people. And at this point, he feels like he's being used by Bill and needs to bring him back in. Because he's lying to him. Um, And like when he meets Bill's uh, niece and then he finds out like... He hasn't been a Bill Gates impersonator. Yeah, like he Bill's barely even knows about Francis. Yeah, like yeah. she he tells people completely different stories. And then we reach the point where he learns all these things, so he tries to hire a woman who looks like Francis so that he yeah. can practice. And that's when you realize that Bill is kind of a disgusting okay, person. This, he starts like groping her thigh. Yeah, it's gross. This is another thing I wanted to highlight. That's it's a it's an aspect of the entire show, but especially for this, Nathan's patience with these people is unfucking believable. Yeah, especially with Bill, he has like all the patience in the world for the biggest idiot in the world. Where he li- he's not cutting corners for hours on end. He practices like he makes Bill learn how to interact with this woman in a non creepy way. Like he's not he's not just like making it seem like he worked with him for a long time. He genuinely did. He genuinely went to Arkansas and stayed there for such a long time for this stupid. But he kind of stayed thing. there for a while on his own motives at a point because he started getting close with Macy, mm-hmm. and then he said like he even started losing sight of the purpose of them being there because yeah. he was so fond of. Yeah, her. that's that's another. Yeah, like he didn't have to stay there. He could have flown back and forth or something. Like he decided to stay oh, no. in Arkansas. That's, that's another great element that he brings into it is this narrative with an escort that he. He initially hires to hang out with Bill, but then Bill says no. So then Nathan just ends up hanging out with her. And it becomes this whole little thing with Nathan's character of, like, he's actually getting into her. But you really don't know, though, like, who is using who in that relationship. And that's what makes it so great is that you always She's see, getting paid. Yeah, she's getting paid. Nathan is paying her yeah. what but, she would normally pay for just her flirtatious times. But it seems really genuine. It reaches the point where... Is Nathan just using her just so he can do his same shtick with somebody else? And he's paying her, yeah, here's $350 for me to manipulate you on camera. But in the last scene, when he's with her, notice he doesn't give her a card that time. And she says, can we turn off the cameras this time? Which leads me to think that 
that time was on her own time and that mm-hmm. it meant something and more. Yeah. It's also of note that Nathan Fielder directed this episode. Mm-hmm. Like, he directed this whole thing. So it's very purposeful, everything that he shows and that he doesn't show. And he did. He, like you said, he Because every time it was a point, that, like, ha-ha, happy birthday, and that never happened in the yeah. last scene. Like, well, here's a, here's a point about that final scene is, like, you don't know... It, it, Drew pointed out the very incredible quick look that Nathan gives to the camera when she brings up the the question of like what's the point aren't yeah. we making a show yeah it's, yeah basically and it, that that look is so genuine like it really seems like we're almost breaking through the character there and actually seeing the real Nathan for a second there you think oh yeah. wow this is actually a man who I mean, has found a real connection this episode has a lot of genuine Nathan like acting and laughs too. You don't usually don't get a lot of that out of him, but he's he's being pretty genuine in this one because this episode more than any is blurring the line between what's real and what's fake. I think it beyond blurs it. It obliterates that line. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, the, this final scene with the escort, he ends up flying back to Arkansas just to hang out with her. And like you said, she ends up being like, well, uh, you know, it's weird with the cameras on. He's like, we can turn them off. And she's like, well, wouldn't that ruin the point? And then it's just this long played out scene where they don't. It's like I said before, they're very patient with it. Where He's like, well, what's the point? And she's like, well, you're, you're filming something. And he just goes through this full range of emotions where he's like, oh, yeah, that's right. I'm paying her for this. And like, this isn't really real. And so then he's finally, like, he gives a little glance to the camera, and then he's like, yeah. If we have you a drone. Yeah, he's like, if you don't mind, we could get a good drone shot right now or something. And it, you know, it, it becomes, like, it's just it's, a beautiful ending to the arc of, It really is, is it because real? it finally, it, it does an amazing job of encapsulating this whole theme, which is run throughout the entire series of Nathan, but especially in the last couple seasons when they've made it more of a point to magnify this, this overwhelming theme of loneliness with Nathan's character that he's always all these people he tries to help throughout his show it's a person who he can latch onto and the reason why he wants to help these people is that these people who he's helping these businesses they immediately put a sense of trust in him Mm. that they they go out there and they think this person is helping me with my business I can trust this person and so him whether it's him in reality or just the character they latch onto that and they're he I keep saying they as if it's the character and him, but I, I really I'm not sure I really can't tell like how much of it is just Nathan and how much is the character of this sense of loneliness and mm. just wanting to find well, personal in, connection. In real life, Nathan did go through a divorce two years ago. I do wanna say I do think that the whole element with Macy the escort was written not their interactions were not written absolutely not but the concept was like oh he's like oh it would be really interesting if i developed a thing with this escort because you know I'm yeah a and guy. The, the money he's paying her is within the budget of the show yeah but but if he is spending all of this time with her like they're really hanging out oh yeah so they, they are forming also, a connection she's also another great foil to him because she obviously has a high emotional intelligence where she watches the show and instantly she's like you're you're lying to every last one yeah, of she and gets also it. and also they have this this uh there was just a quick little line that Macy says where she's like you know prior relationships haven't worked out because I put work before my relationships and Nathan even says he's just like I can relate to that because I've been in that situation before talking to prior relationships that he's been with his divorce and things like that that really is blurring or obliterating this line between the character and yeah. the person um also just 
some some of the most genuinely like we're talking about like you know the more touching like interesting components some of the fucking funniest shit i've ever seen oh my god some of the most cringeworthy shit yeah one uh, he he ends up making Bill go to a high school reunion that he fabricates for these people, so we can seventh anniversary. Yeah, so he can try to find people who know Francis, and to convince these people that Bill is like in and went to their class, he makes Bill learn the song from the city of Dumas, Arkansas, which is real from the fifties, and it's called "I'm a Ding Dong Daddy from Dumas," <laughs> and it's the. F- and Bill performs it with like all the razzmatazz in the world, and it's like the funniest with thing a I've... hat and a cane. Yeah, it's like the funniest thing I've <laughs> he ever moves seen. Really well for like a really yeah. Like, man. Like, that's what dance. I was thinking. He's spry. Yeah, yeah, he is a spry. He's into man. it too because he knows that. Well, this he's also could an lead. actor. Yeah, yeah, so he's like to him yeah, so like he it's knows just another to... role. Yeah, it and, was it was really really good. And then how about that hotel scene with him and the oh escort when they finally like get with together Nathan. for real with Nathan? Not not Bill and the escort. Yeah, that. That was the most awkward thing ever. Yeah. Seeing Nathan dance towards her and then their kissing scene, which was like two and a half minutes of just lip smacking. Yeah, I heard that. I heard that you two had to like not watch. I the same. Oh, I, I, had to keep, I was well, staring. I was dying I laughing the whole time. I have this thing where I either like time. have to get next to the TV where I can't see it, or <laughs> I have to like put my face down because I can't be embarrassed by the TV. Yeah, you were like, I have to put my uh, face under the cover. Oh, yeah. It was it was yeah. tough to watch. I think that may have been one of the cringiest moments yeah, no. of the whole. show. Uh, yeah, Allison had to go under the covers for that. that it was brutal. <laughs> I, I think the the thing that makes it the cringiest is that you get the sense that they're really like having a moment, but the camera is like right in their face. Imagine right being that camera face. guy though, who's like, "God, why does he make me do this every day?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's just like I, I'm sure we all do, but I tend to speak in hyperbole when I talk about Nathan for you because I love it so much. This is genuinely one of the like. It's it's the most entertained I've been watching an episode of it's a TV show. It's really transcendent. It's crazy. Like Such it, a wide range of emotions. I think it was you, Ernest, who said something on our group chat after you watched it that they should put this in for the best documentary of the year at the Oscars. Yeah. And like I agree. Like it's it's phenomenal. It's some yeah. of the best like filmmaking and documentary style work that I've seen definitely this year. It kind of it kind of reminded me of Tickled a little bit. It is. Yeah. It does. It's it way better does. than Tickled. Well, but it goes down <laughs> that same kind of wormhole where you have no idea what you're getting into yeah. and what's going to come next mm-hmm. and without spoiling too much it gets at the end it has a, like an incredibly tragic climax and and the ending is you know it ends with like a you know a sweet note but it's it's such a melancholy ending it's such a melancholy episode in general but it's realistic like yeah. the ending yeah. like you're like yeah of course like just yeah that makes- bill and Fra- and you keep going back and forth with bill and francis of just wondering it you reaches this point where you're like man you know i really just want to see this old man get happy but the more that you learn about bill you're like this guy's kind of despicable in a way and i don't know oh, yeah. if i want him to and you he says all these things we're in like a little bit of a spoiler section here so i can say but like he says all these things just like oh you know i might take her away from her husband and she's gonna run away with me and it's like you can't just expect somebody to just fucking yeah. throw their life someone away that you haven't seen a relationship in 50 years. 50, yeah. 50 years ago like it's, yeah it's very it's it's just one of the like it's it's transcendent because the main character of it the focus of it is so enigmatic you can't predict what he's gonna do what he's gonna say so, i mean same with nathan in a way where like you just have no idea what bill is what his angle is because that you don't he has no grounding in reality but he's a real fucking person which, you know yeah which is you know that 
that whole notion of like every person is the star of their own play. Yeah. Everyone has a story. There's, yeah, there's no a matter really, how crazy or there's fucked a, up There's you a are. great line toward the beginning of it where Nathan's like, over the course of him like constantly telling me about this Francis, I realized that if I didn't help him find her, no one was going to. Like, like who would? Yeah, exactly. Who would help this crazy old man find a lost love from 50 years ago that has obviously moved on? And in the end, there's, uh, there's such a touching line where Bill says, the years go by. In the snap of a finger, they just go by. And it was hard for me to hold back the tears in that moment <laughs> yeah. because I, after, you know, going through this whole journey, following Nathan and Bill... In, in this wild, wild ride, you're able to tap into this really personal, insightful and emotional moment that this old man is having. And you're like, how is Nathan for you? Yeah, this, how this, <laughs> this cringy, weird show making me feel so much. Yeah, that's that's the main thing. It just took me aback. Like, I love Nathan for you, but I've never it's never made me feel these things before. Mm. And it just, I don't know, it reached a new level with me. Nathan has said in interviews that he's only going to continue the show if he believes that he can make a season just as good. If this is the series finale, I, I think I'd be okay with it because I just don't see how you could top this in a 30-minute episode. I think that it's it's the most beautiful possible note. I mean, of course, like I would love to see more, but I trust Nathan as a creative person that he's not going to make more, like you said, unless he knows that it can be great. And... Yeah. I, this is the most beautiful note that you could possibly imagine for it to end on. I would love it if he just, you know, was able to make more long form, uh, you know, self contained projects he really like this. Thrives in something yeah. like this. I, I would love if he had just kind of like a special uh, endowment deal with Comedy Central, where they're like, "Hey, when you want to come in and like gift us with a, a yeah. doc, like just dump it on well, us and he, we'll air it." He has effectively created a new genre of documentary of filmmaking yeah like he has tapped into something that a lot of people have attempted you know even kyle with his youtube videos like yeah. there there is this sensibility of like trying to to straddle the line between tv yeah. and reality and originally andy kaufman deserves a lot right andy kaufman yeah, 80s, yeah definitely who was but he was a lot more hated than nathan but Nate, nathan what did he do he he, he was, was like a stand-up guy. Yeah, he was comic. on the cast of SNL for probably just a year in the 80s. But he, yeah, he was this stand-up who was just literally always in character. And his character was just a despicable guy. He would do these public stunts of, like, wrestling with women just to be like, hey, men are better. But, like, he was in character. I know. It's it's problematic yeah, but, now, definitely. Well, but like, it still started yeah. kind of what like Nathan is doing now. Yeah, yeah. but he it was pioneered just, that he, Yeah, he just started the thing of like, oh, I can just be in character in real life. Yeah. So like Kyle's, uh, like his sport, when he goes exactly. to sporting yeah, events. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, what I yeah, was yeah exactly. Yeah, Kyle would do that on YouTube. Um, but yeah, that... We we shouldn't, we shouldn't wax too much poetic about it anymore, but that... I am just so... I was at a loss of words after this episode, and I... I tried my best to you know gather myself before recording the pod but i i just want to watch it again and i want to experience it again because no movie this year has made me feel the things i felt during this the the course of the yeah. two hours of this episode it's true it feels cheesy to say but i because i like i said i always talk about nathan for you like he's you know like he's god and all, everything but like this was like a special thing i'm like yeah. i feel like it 
for more than just fans. We all had like wild expectations for this going in too. That's what makes me so happy about is that usually like I'm always disappointed when something like this comes. Is that just like I build it up so much in my head and then I'm bound to be disappointed by something. And for it to exceed our expectations, my God. Um. So yeah, let's let's move on. All right, let's move on to our new segment. Wait, we need to draw some straws. Um. Yeah. Okay. Well. Let's have a four-way rock, paper, scissors. Shoot okay. Match. Well, I'll I'll do a preface while we're, you figure that out. But yeah, we've we've been as we say, we always appreciate. No, we'll, the feedback we'll do it of right the fans before. on the show. Uh, we need to fight more. Start the clock. New no no. We fight more. Ding ding ding. All right. So this is a little segment that we're gonna keep doing because I just like the premise of it. Well, we actually, she's the one that uh brought up the idea. Yes, um, and also live. I believe, yeah, you said it initially. You were the first person that told me, hey, you guys just like agree all the time. And I was like, yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty boring. Yeah. Yeah. And then it was my girlfriend, Lee, who and then, helped yeah, us Lee come said up that, with And we came uh, up with We Fought a Mike. A great name for we'll a fam. great segment. But um, uh, we're going to divide it up into two because we have two ideas here. Uh, you know, comment back, email us, let us know which works better, what you like, maybe some suggestions. The first one is Drew has a mystery hot take that he has He's withhold- been saving. Yeah, yeah, he's withheld it until this very None moment. None of us know so what his hot take is until right he now. Wants, no, not the subject, not <laughs> anything. He wants Hunter and I to uh, disagree with him. Uh, yeah, I, I, just want, I just want to feel your outrage because okay. I love it. All right, let's hear right. it. I don't give a fuck about Star Wars. Oh, I don't care about it. I'm not just talking about the new ones. I'm not just talking about the prequels. I don't care about Star Wars. I just Damn. don't. I think every person that I've ever <laughs> say they like Star Wars has been like, yeah, you know, when I was a little kid, it was a big deal. If it's a big deal when you're a little kid, that doesn't mean it's good. It means you watched it when you were a little kid. Are you more of a Star Trek boy then? I don't no. Think, I don't think I can <laughs> glare at you hard enough right now, Drew. There, so the first movies I ended up watching when I was a teenager, really, they'd always been on when I was a kid, and I just wasn't that interested. Well, so what? So maybe they're really good kids movies. Like, congrats. Oh, go fuck congrats. yourself. You like th- so there's three really good kids movies. The prequels are bad kids movies then. And then the new ones, one is like good by most accounts, and one is not good. Okay, tell me so what, what are we exactly- talking about? We're talking about a series that is on the level, like, okay. No, okay, okay, okay. Because... You're just saying they're bad. I want you to tell me what exactly about specific <laughs> movies, not just overarching about the series as a whole. Tell me like what do you dislike about A New Hope or Empire Strikes Back? Okay, the first three movies. Again, you're talking about all three movies. Yeah, Any they, specifics. Yeah, well, they're just, in general, they're amalgams of a million different movies. I mean, George Lucas has pretty much owned up to that in interviews. He's been like, yeah, I just kind of combined a lot of shit from cowboy movies and space movies. He put cowboys in space. Congrats, George. You know... <laughs> So they're they're good. They're <laughs> I'm getting I'm getting the sharpest looks. It's like I'm defending like Louis C.K. right now or something. Well, you were so like casual in the beginning when everyone talked about Star Wars. Just so they'd be like, I fucking hate it. I don't. Yeah, I don't care. The first three movies are all right. I will say that I watched them and I was like, yeah, okay. They're if everyone watched them when they were a kid and everyone liked them, then good for you. You know what I watched when I was a kid and I liked it everything 
When you're a kid, everything is good. So the first three movies are all right movies. They're the f- they were the first to combine a lot of elements that no one had done before. They were more trailblazing than they were good. Okay, they're just movies. They're, they just seem like movies to me. Movie movies. They are Heroes- movies that changed everything. Yeah, I think you're saying all these things about how it's an amalgamation. Sure, it did take things and themes from westerns, but it pioneered. All kinds of different genres, and you can't undercut. But everything you also that have to did. think that just because it pioneered things, like that's good for it. He can like other movies, but he doesn't have to like it. You know, like are you at Drew's defense right now? Are you? No, are you I'm saying in the Star middle Wars because bad movie. I think that I we're a silent it as a kid, majority. But it's yeah, it's just. <laughs> no, I feel there like are dozens of us. Have to, I feel like it's almost like if he says he like loves it, he, he's a bandwagon fan, anyways. Like it's just like you don't have to like it just because everyone likes it or it pioneered or it did something. Like they he's are, not entitled. These to. movies are classic by the book Joseph Campbell hero's journey movies. I'll give him that. Just okay, like what's wrong movie. with that? Yeah, no, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. I'm just saying the first three movies are. All right, that's what I would give them. So then we move on to the three prequels, which fucking suck. I'm not going to defend the prequels. Can I ask you something? Mm. Does Leonard like Star Wars? I don't know. That's his dad. Leonard is uh, Drew's dad. Okay, so either you had to be a kid or it has to be a birthright. Okay, no, no, no. We should preface this for the audience. Drew was a TV kid. Oh, (laughs) fuck off. He spent his time with his eyes taped open watching Jeopardy (laughs) on eight different screens and Full House. No, I won't take the... This is at home when I'm attacked right now. (laughs) Listen to this. Star Wars is... name, Name another thing other than Star Wars that is as generational and that can connect to completely different people age-wise and have find some come of common ground to share something that they love and something that they can find this passion over anything. as universally no, as Star Wars. No, not anything. Give specific Get, examples. What? What's... Oh yeah, Harry Potter, a book written in 1997. It's only it's a generation and a half. <laughs> I mean, so what? That's that's just saying no, but, okay. that everyone likes it, so you should like it. No, 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 no. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying I'm not going to defend Star Wars for being the most original movie of all time. But I think that it is. You said it's a movie, movie, and I think that it's one of the most moviest movies of all time, and that's what makes it great. Is that it can, it like everybody of any age, race background can watch it and enjoy it and Except take something me. from it. <laughs> oh my god. So that's th- okay, so the first 3 are movie movies. The next 3 suck. They fucking What do you blow. think about The Force Awakens? I don't even I barely remember it because it was just so a rehash. It just seemed like it was like, "Hey, you remember this? Well, here's it again." Okay, so then you have after I that. Mean, that's a valid criticism, yeah, but yeah. that doesn't mean it's a bad movie. Yeah, it just means it's not worth my fucking time. And then after that, you have Rogue One, which more than half of it universally is pretty much bad. So what are we talking about here? We're talking about a series of eight movies. Half of them are pretty much universally regarded as not good. And it's like the most beloved franchise of all time. I think it's more because of the 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 world that is built and the characters inside of it. It's less about the actual movies yeah. and more about well, like the detailing of the lore it's about, that okay. surrounds It's them. about the lore and it's about the, f- like when it gets down to the heart of it, Star Wars for being, good versus evil. for being, yeah, it's, it's a story about very universal themes that everybody can latch onto, which is good versus evil. It's about family. It's just about family and 
betrayal. Okay, if you want all that, read the Bible. Oh my god. Okay, I this is an invalid (laughs) argument. No, it's not. It's this it's a hero's journey. You're describing every movie that's ever been made. Like it's a movie movie, so great. Watch any other movie and you'll get bits of Star Wars. I would much rather watch fucking Star Wars than read the fucking Bible. Are you fucking kidding me? That was a joke. Also, you're totally like dismissing how amazing and ahead of its time all of the technical aspects of that movie Shit that are. had never, that was never unprecedented. Been seen That's, before. Okay, this is also kind of a problem I have with Blade Runner, where you're like, wow, it's so good that it's from the 70s and it looks like it's from the 80s. Okay, no, I, no, no, Blade no, Runner is no. from the 80s. No, I'm talking about Star Wars, though. Oh, what? He's right? saying like the same thing with Blade Runner, how it's from the 80s, looks like it could be Yeah, it looks like it's 90s. from the 90s. It's like, cool, it's trailblazing. That doesn't mean it's one of the greatest movies ever. It's just not. It's not great. I would call the first three good. I would call the next three bad. And I would call the two others all right. So what are we sure. talking about right now? The most beloved franchise of all time, half of it's not good. Like, what the fuck? I mean, I, I feel like... It's more about the world. I, I totally agree that the prequels are bad, but there's a whole bunch of kids that grew up with those movies and like them. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Everyone's like, I grew up with it, bro. You can't talk shit about okay. my shit, bro. I will say, because we're just lumping together trilogies here and not considering individual movies now. I think the first two of the prequels are bad movies. I think Attack of the Clones is the worst Star Wars movie. Worse than episode one. I think that episode three is a fine movie. I don't think that it's great. I don't think that it's terrible. Ewan McGregor's performance is really great yeah, in that movie. Like, I don't think that we can just lump all of these movies together and just dismiss the entire franchise as a whole as bad. Like, that's I'm not just like saying, as bad. That's I'm... like saying Marvel movies are all okay. okay um, I just want to say, I feel like you guys need to like... We need, we need to, we need to disagree need to, more, okay? No, yeah, you were disagreeing, but I feel like it's not just disagreeing, it's like attacking. You gotta kind of think of, you're expecting to, him to have the nostalgia you had, and then, it's like he can respect I'm, I'm the technical aspects. This is why we to be the mediator <laughs> we fought I'm, I'm saying, without nostalgia goggles, it's, as a collective, it's alright. Here's what I think. I think the original Star Wars movie is an absolute... Uh, adaptation of the Joseph Campbell hero's journey like to a T but it's told through the lens of George Lucas coming up with these very very inventive characters and settings and 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 world like when you're watching that first Star Wars you don't for a second think that these are actors on a set you were transported to another galaxy you don't doubt it for a second and then with the Empire Strikes Back you take all of that all of these characters and world and lore that has been set up and you it you blow it up into one of the greatest films of all time the empire strikes back manages to not only up the peril and and the interactions with the characters and the drama with them but also the action and every technical um aspect to it i mean the empire strikes back is Above all the other Star Wars yeah, movies, no, I, and the Empire I'll Strikes say that's Back, that's my favorite Star Wars. Yeah, well, yeah, definitely. it's the it's the most well made of any of the Star Wars movies. I still think, as much as it is just the hero's journey, I love the first movie because it established this entire world that we're talking to here. But I think that the Empire Strikes Back, it's a step away from that, and it brought this giant plot twist of Darth Vader being Luke's father that. 
Only yeah. German people Unless knew you about. were German. German people knew that was coming. <laughs> but everybody else, like, you're watching that first Star Wars movie, you're like, this is the bad guy. This is evil, dark man. I, he has no... I, <laughs> I, <laughs> that okay. wasn't meant in a racist way, by the way, guys. This evil, dark evil. man. <laughs> but, but after that, you know, it, with Return of the Jedi, it, it was at that point it was a cultural cultural phenomenon. So then everything that came after that was just trying to bank off of Star Wars becoming a brand and more of a property than just a movie. And I don't think Return of the Jedi is like an amazing movie or anything. It's definitely by far the lowest of the three movies. But I still think that it's a fun movie. Like I would, I I can't say that like. I, I would put, like, Return of the Jedi in the same vein as, like, a lot of Marvel movies. It's like, yeah, it's just fun. Just good fun. Like, it doesn't have to be... It's entertaining. Like, it doesn't have to be a masterpiece or bad. I think that there's some middle ground in between there. Yeah. I don't... The amount of hype and love and apologizing for Star Wars that happens within the context of pop culture writing is way too much. People disregard everything bad about it in order to just write about the good things when like it gets a pass that it shouldn't it gets it gets such a like a hall pass in all in every pop culture writer i've ever read has just been like yeah you know hey well i mean especially now a lot to people especially now that disney has successfully brought it back i mean i think disney did the impossible which was making people forget how bad the prequels were like everyone nobody talks about how bad those those movies are anymore because Star Wars is cool again. Star Wars is back. Exactly. And speaking to that, I do think that it does it's in the same vein of Marvel movies where people can say it's a masterpiece for a superhero movie. And there's always that little like caveat of it gets its own category because it's transcendent and all pop we'll, culture. We'll have this conversation again after you yeah. see the last Guess what? Jedi. Drew's not going to be on the podcast to review the last Jedi now. <laughs> I'm all just right. saying, I think Rogue One is a good encapsulation of all the Star Wars movies because half of it sucks and a lot of people just don't like to talk and about it. And the best part is Darth yeah. Vader. And most, <laughs> yeah, and most people just like don't like talking about that half if they're being dishonest with themselves. They're like, yeah, I love the movie. Yeah, the first half sucked, but I love the movie. Yeah. That's what... I feel like most people, when they talk about Star Wars, that's what they say, basically. Yeah, half of it sucks, but I love it. Like, cool. I don't know. It's just like... No, I I mean, I, I hear you. It's, what is it's, your take on midi-chlorines? I don't care. <laughs> All right. Let's Guess oh, what? Okay. Nobody does. One more thing. One more issue I have with Star Wars is the crawlers. You know why all movies don't start with a bunch of text? Because they're movies. I don't want to read a book before I watch the movie. Oh, my that's almost, God. That's like Are you cheating. the type of person who doesn't watch anime movies? Because you're like, I have to read. I'm not trying no. to do homework while I watch it's, a movie. It's just basically cheating. Well, it depends on what you're reading about. If you're reading about taxation and trade routes in the Federation, then I'm already asleep. But if you're reading Luke Skywalker has vanished, then you're like, ooh, okay, I'm in. Who is this guy? The whole point of a movie is don't tell me, show me. And... Crawlers are the encapsulation of telling you. It's like it's worse than exposition dumps in well, movies. It's, it's a science fiction. It's movie. literally just words. Then, I, if we're going to go against all crawlers, then I have two different questions about two different movies that came out earlier this year. One, uh, the text before Dunkirk, which is because I. What, what's your take on that? 
What's your... Or War for the Planet of the Apes or Blade or Runner 2049. Blade Runner 2049. I think that any kind of a movie like that, it's just meant to set you up in that world. So that you don't have to have a whole scene or like series of scenes of setup. You just like read it real quick. All right. Now All right, we're in. Now we're I'm good in the mindset. Go. I think it worked really well with Dunkirk because that was non-fictional text. Uh, I think with the others... Star Wars is also non-fiction. Yeah, it's in a long time ago, <laughs> Galaxy Far, Far Away. Come on. Did you miss that What's part? What's the rest of it? Tell me it became such a meme when it's like a pretty weak thing to do for a movie for especially for all of them to just give you like hey by the way blah 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 all right now let's start the movie okay well we've talked a lot about the plot itself but i think that what makes star wars so transcendental it's a phenomenon is, is the tone which takes place with the setting in the world which we've addressed but also the score like you can't knock that score. Yeah, the no, score it is, is a great scores, soundtrack. I don't go and go to the theater for a soundtrack. Yeah, but what about <laughs> the tone and the world and the, the world building in Star Wars? Like the, you can't deny the world building in those movies. It's good world building. The in, some individual components are great and some individual components are hack. So altogether, with the first three, and it's with Empire, I would say that's the movie that's verging on great. But altogether, with the what first would three, you rank? you're putting together great and hack, and you're getting good. If you're saying Empire is the best movie, what would you rank it out of 10? Empire, 8 point something. Okay, so that's that's a really good movie. movie. The prequels get apologized for so what about, much. What about the glow. first Star Wars movie? What would you rank that one? like a seven something like i'm just i'm saying it is the most beloved thing that i've ever heard of and when was the last time you saw those movies like a year or two ago oh okay and they were i was it's just every time i see them i'm like okay i saw it i don't want to see it again like they're movies sure they're movie movies they are that's what makes them so good yeah it's it's escapism i don't think that you can like just knock a movie like you can't expect to have the kind of weird experimental shit you'd see in an art house film in a major blockbuster I'm not expecting film. art house. I'm saying when I feel like every single person I know saw it when they were like fucking five or they saw it in the 70s in theaters. And so they're inherently have this thing of like, oh, bro, like you don't even know <laughs> when. Well, if I don't know, then I don't know. You're like. All right. Well, I think uh, we should revisit this when we review the Last Jedi because I have a feeling that this movie is maybe going <laughs> to change your mind When Drew says that the Last bit. Jedi is the best Star Wars movie ever made, <laughs> I got excited when I heard Ryan Johnson because yeah. I love Ryan Johnson. Yeah, I think he can do something with Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. All right. Do we have time for our? Uh, we can make it quick. Our final little segment here. See, okay, yeah. This is this is also why I wanted to fight with you guys because. Our next segment is, what is the best Disney Channel original movie? And I fear that multiple of us have the same take on this. I think we all pick the best, the, or the, the same okay. one. So, Well, except for Gaia, I know. I'm always... So let's all say it on the count of three, and then I'm going to make an argument for my second place decom. Ready? Three, two... One high school, high school musical two. Wow, <laughs> Gaia. Wait, okay, my top three are all Did someone say sequels. Halloween Town? 
No. Oh. Sky High High School Musical 1. I said one Wendy Wu. Sky oh, Wendy, High. You don't, you've never even seen Wendy Wu. Sky Wendy High Warrior. was is not a Disney Channel movie. It came out in theaters. No, it didn't. No, it didn't. No, it did not. It definitely, Sky, no, it it definitely came out. I am 100% sure of this. Did you see well, Kurt, wanna... Why would Kurt Russell star in a Disney Channel original movie? I don't know. He has kids. Does he have kids that like Disney? I don't know. No way. I just want to make no a way. comment. That My top three movies are all sequels. High School Musical 2, Cheetah Girls 2, Camp Rock 2, The Final Jam. Also, oh, Liv is shaking her head. Liv, weigh in on this. What's your number one decom? Yes, yes. Xenon. Okay, Xenon Girl is amazing. I love Xenon yours? Girl. Lizzie McGuire, Cheetah Girls. Liz McGuire's in a movie. Cheetah Girls 1. Liz, Lizzie McGuire movie was released in I like sequels because I feel like the universe is set up and then I just have to dive in and learn the songs and just get really okay, into it. Okay, I will say I think that High School Musical 2 has a better plot than the first High School Musical. The However, music is better. The music, no. Oh, fuck. False. The music is dramatically better in the first High School Musical. More memorable. No, it's aside not. From, I know every hey, word bada, of High bada, School hey, Musical bada, 2. Bada, bada, what about Bet On It? Gotta go my own way. My problem with the music in High School Musical Two is that they just abandon every real instrument in the book. And but the The issue is that if they went with synths, that would be okay. They started using fake versions of real instruments. Well, what about in the first High School Musical movie itself that Drew Seeley's voice and Zac Efron's was blended anyway? So and it was better than just Zac Efron. Drew Seeley's better than Zac Efron. No, I I, I enjoyed that more. I uh, I'd like to make the case for the Even Stevens movie. Okay, yeah. The I was going to say this because yeah. I wanted to insert their show into the conversation, even though it's a movie talk, because that show was like Malcolm in the Middle before Malcolm in the Middle. It was a single cam dysfunctional family sitcom. Yeah, beans, like no laugh track, no no set. Even it was set in a real house. Like that's crazy to do in the like late nineties, early two thousands. Also, I mean, Lizzie McGuire movie is oh, it counted um, because the Goofy movie. Is that what? is that a, that's, not that's a theater movie? That was a theater. Was also movie. released yeah. in theaters. The Goofy movie. Oh, also I Goofy up, movie and an extreme. Goofy I looked movie? up Sky High and he was right. It is a theater movie. Yeah. However, Kurt it, Russell would not star in it. Well, Disney however, though it it got Disney? so much replay on Disney Channel that yeah. I, I also thought it. Well, was I associate it with being decom just because I mean that was how I learned Mary Elizabeth Winstead because she's in that movie. Oh yeah, yeah, she's in that she, movie. Mm-hmm. She's uh, the the secret bad guy. But also speaking to Hillary Duff fame. Cadet Kelly. Cadet Kelly. Cadet Kelly is a classic. Uh, there were so many good ones. Um, Smart House was oh, another classic. Oh, yeah. Luck of the Irish. What was the kid that starred in all those? Um, Luck of the Irish and Smart House. Oh, okay. Um, Don't Look Under the Bed, Don't which look- was the scariest movie when I was yeah. a child. Yes. I actually, I meant, I was thinking about Don't Look Under the Bed whenever we did our Halloween podcast, just because that was, I remember seeing that movie. That's a genuinely scary movie. Not like Halloween Town, where it's like spooky, spooky. but also it's a family movie. Well, because they have movie. a monster, Don't Look Under the Bed. The yeah. guy, his it's face like a, is a like scary. Bookie and his man. Like, it's It's genuinely like kind of cre- like scary for a child to watch. Mm. And I love that movie. I'm surprised they even showed that. Like, I was like really scared when I watched that when I was a kid. So I, I guess it's not much of a of an argument so if we all agree good. that High School Musical is um, undoubtedly it's I, a fact. I, I want to bring in an expert witness. Hop up in here, Allison. What you know all about decoms. I have a list pulled up of all of them right now. What's your? Allison has a list pulled up. Twitches. Twitches is great. Twitches not that good. I Twitch- never liked Twitches. Wait, hold on, Twitches. hold on. Hop up so, on the mic. Gaia, why do you think two is better than one? Okay. Like, let's just... Um, like, well, what I said earlier, I like being already set in a universe. I like that... Um, you but it wouldn't be anything without huh? the first one. 
I never said that like it wasn't good. There, the first one was there. I like the uh, idea of it being like a summer. I like uh, yeah. Sharpay being a villain. Summer. Summer. I like the songs. I think it's it's also brighter and more fun instead of being stuck in um the school they're shooting in Arizona. So uh, it's a lot of bright colors, and I feel like the music's more upbeat than in the first one. Okay. And the turmoil. I mean, it's still always that my uh, my sister. Trouble. Shout out to Camilla. She would definitely agree with you. I think she likes the the second one more. Oh, Liv, Liv is chiming in. My issue with High School Musical is that there's no actual musical in the first movie. Mm. She song. says that there's no actual musical. Well, it's kind of like the musical is going on, but you only see like Sharpay crying in the background, and then they do the last song together. We're breaking free. The okay, Ryan oh, and Sharpay okay. are definitely having sex, but he's but still gay. But also, he's gay. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> well, that definitely tends to happen with people who are damaged. You know, they end up either fucking their sister, Hashtag or fucking damaged. Yeah, you Lucas Graybill. <laughs> yeah. What Grant's else? Was, he was in uh, the Halloween detail. Town High, wasn't he? Yeah. We're not Halloween Town High. He up, was in the second away. one. Shout out to Black Superheroes. Whoa. Up, nice. up and away. Proud family. <laughs> Pro- the Proud Family movie. That was a lit show. <laughs> oh, also, I wanted to give a really good shout to. Um, I. I almost said everybody loves Raven. <laughs> oh, <God>. No, <laughs> that's the show. <laughs> that's that's did so. That's, Raven was a great. Sitcom. Did it have a movie? Oh, that's so no. Raven it, is amazing. Well, I mean, it had like little. Cheetah, stupid, I mean, you remember um, that's Raven's so sweet life of Hannah Montana or the Raven? Yes. Like yeah, they had that's so Raven, uh, sweet life of Zach and that, Cody and Hannah Montana. That all, was like, a, a special. Yeah, that was a clusterfuck. That it was, was too, a, it, too no. Much. It was everything I ever wanted. It was my dream. <laughs> Um, but yeah, as long as we're talking about Disney Channel, I watched a lot of their sitcoms. Uh, I loved that so Raven when I was a kid. It was it's oh, a, yeah. it was just a great intro to sitcom structure, like how the episodes work, you know. And then I eventually got into the adult ones. Yeah, remember Corey in the house? The yeah, spin-off? I was gonna say I knew that there was a spinoff. <laughs> but Sweet Life on Deck was. was the Sweet Life spinoff. All the spinoffs didn't do oh, that well. I feel God. like they lasted a less amount of time than everyone was going through. Yeah, I, I feel mean, like I was a little bit. Sweet Life happened a little bit towards the end of my Disney Channel days. Yeah. So That's I when Wizards of Waverly really Place came see, out. Yeah. I Wizards was a bit, yeah, but was, no, Sweet Life was a perfect because a lot of Disney Channel original movies are wish fulfillment movies for kids, like Blank Check, like Smart House, oh like oh, God. what if I had everything? Sweet Life was exactly that because when you're a kid, you're like, oh my God, what if I lived in the fucking Ritz and I could do whatever I wanted and I had a cool twin? I I, <laughs> I have to be honest with you guys, I've never seen a Camp Rock movie, and and spit I still, take. I and I still love the Jonas the Jobber. Okay, but I play so much Camp Rock too in the car. Yeah, he knows the music. You could drive me insane. I um I don't think that High School Musical is a great movie by any means, but of I not. think that it's, it's the best. It's Disney better than Camp Rock. I, I would think say. it's it's the best decom because. Like everyone in our generation knows what high school music is. If it comes is. on anywhere you are, at least someone perks up yeah. and is like knows the word. Yeah, like it's so. such an iconic movie for our generation that Except Grant, sorry. Grant is, hangs out at cool places where <laughs> no one has fun. It is above yeah. like any other Disney Channel original movie, oh, no definitely. matter oh, oh at least especially as a cultural phenomenon, uh, that is maybe even the most successful T V movie of all time on well, any actually network. the second one had better viewership well, yeah, because but yeah. because of the first one. Yeah. Of but the course. third one and actually premiered the in one, theaters. Yeah, it was so because of the decom, which is good because that's the shittiest one. Just, Can we the, all agree the third one is the I've worst never one? seen yes, it I and yeah. I refuse to acknowledge they exist. I don't no. think I ever saw it. Yeah, I saw it and I kinda regretted it. 
like at the end they're all like crying and like lo- like smile crying looking into the camera because it's like yeah. the end of their and high school musical careers they couldn't write a better song than just singing high school musical yeah right <laughs> <laughs> high school music yeah. no that was so that lazy. was trash definitely yeah the first one the the amount of programming that Disney Channel was able to milk out of that one movie was unbelievable. Where like there were certain nights sing like, along, dance yeah, along. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. A year after the movie came out, there were certain nights where it would be, oh, at seven o'clock we have the sing along, at eight o'clock we have the dance along, <laughs> at uh, nine o'clock we have the fun sleepovers facts. where um we would all like girls in my neighborhood in my apartment complex we got together and like made popcorn and did the dance along as embarrassing as that was. <laughs> yeah. It was fun as shit. We're all in this <laughs> together. Let's watch a Disney Channel movie. Oh, Lizzie McGuire movie. It came out in theaters, though, but that was amazing. Yeah, yeah. but was... in terms of, like, actual, I guess, quality, I would say the Even Stevens movie probably stands above just because it, it serves as a really good finale to the series, mm. and it puts but the same characters... same thing with Lizzie McGuire, because it's her, like, it's after it's, high school. It's, it's in pre-college. theaters, doesn't qualify. Mm. Oh, yeah, I love the Lizzie McGuire movie. Oh, oh yeah. God, Gordo. Oh, my God. Oh, he yeah. finally stopped getting cucked every fucking oh, episode. finally. <laughs> also, the whole song. But with, where like, was Miranda? The... Miranda wasn't even in the movie. No, yeah. she wasn't. Yeah. She actually had, like, drug and eating disorder issues. So? <laughs> oh, she could have, like, solved it in where Spain. Gaia. <laughs> she could have gone on a trip. Also, you have dollar herself. signs in your eyes. They actually <laughs> went, went to Rome to shoot it. Like, yeah. they shot it in Italy. Well, and yeah. then there's that stupid guy who like is mean to Lizzie McGuire yeah, but then what was his name yeah and then know. they they end up cut, I feel like they end up name. putting his his live mic on and he's like yeah. this is what dream that was Hillary Duff and Hillary Duff yeah do the song together that's a good song <laughs> and it cuts it back between the two Hillary Duffs I like brunette like, Hillary Duff actually more than blonde Hillary Duff I would mm. say I think she looks Ooh. really good that way I think we can both agree. We can agree that both of them are bad. <laughs> no. <laughs> They're the same girl. Why do you think that Hillary Duff hasn't taken off as like an adult actress? She had a singing career. Remember Come Clean? Mm-hmm. And it's like, Let she was soaking wet. Let yeah. fall down yeah. and Let it wash Hey, here's away. another one. Uh, Cowbells starring Ooh, Allie, Allie and, and AJ. AJ. Oh. They were yeah. amazing. They that were, was that oh. was when DCOM was kind of heading downhill, but hey. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I thought it was Sorry. good. I like their music career more than their acting. Yeah. I think they were not very good actors. Yeah. Not as well, good as Hillary. Any uh, any final thoughts on Disney Channel? All right, guys? let's just um, all agree that the best live action Disney movie is Blank Check. Can we agree? Mm. Are you check? just trying to get in with Blake Snyder? Newsflash, he's dead. <laughs> I think he was in jail still. No, My bad. Yeah, Blake Snyder, author of maybe the most famous screenwriting book of all time, wrote most notably Blank Check. Yeah. Blank I mean, Check is a masterpiece, uh, and I don't care what anybody horrible. says. I'm sure there's a lot of listeners out there who have a soft spot in their heart for the 13th year where uh, the boy turns into a mermaid, and also <laughs> Leprechaun uh, Boy, The Luck of the Irish, and also... Um, uh, techno house boy, smart house. Was, did you guys remember that movie Ice Princess with Michelle Trachtenberg? Was that yes. a decom? Ali and AJ I, I, did a I song for that. I, don't know. Also. I it was. That was really good. The Snowplow. Ali and AJ had some great songs. You're forgetting two. Grant says we're forgetting two. Two classics. Johnny Tsunami. Oh, and Johnny Hala back on yeah. board. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah, Johnny Tsunami and Johnny Kapahala back on board. Yeah. Classic. I mean, there's oh. there was a, definitely a renaissance of Disney Channel. <laughs> also, also, Allison texted me the Kim Possible movie. <laughs> I don't that? remember anything about that except her kissing Call Ron me, at the end. If you're gonna reach me, if you're gonna it's a okay, great show. Don't amazing. really remember yeah, the movie. Call me, beat me, 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 if you're gonna reach me. me. Do, 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 do. All right, and on that note, let's wrap it up with some plugs. Thanks for listening, guys. 
you can uh, email us at webottamike at gmail.com. Let us know how we did on our first little We Fought a Mike segment. Give us suggestions mm. for things to argue what, about. Final Some thought on takes. that. If you add up my review for every Star Wars movie and divide and find an average, it will be about six. So that's all I got to say. All right. All right. So if you ever want to like send Drew hate mail or uh, <laughs> if you ever just want to tell him how much you want to like murder him, then <laughs> Drew, where can we find you on social media? At Drew Deason on, on Twitter at D-R-E-W-D-I-E-D-Z-E-N. I don't care on the tweet tweet what you have to say. Um, you can Drew like, thinks that High School Musical three is better than any Star Wars movie. <laughs> you could like we bought a mic on Facebook. You can follow us on Instagram. Uh, just hit us up. Let us know what's yeah, up. Yeah, Gaia, where can we find you on the um, internet? On Twitter, I reblog or retweet pictures of cats. It's Gaia Rose, G A I A R O S E. It's good content. Yeah, I'll, I'll vouch for it. I just uh, retweet everyone who's sitting at this table, and then I forget about it for a few weeks. So. What about you, Hunter? Um, I mean, I guess find me on Twitter at Hunter Mobley. Uh, Hunt Mobley. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's I, it's it's a void out there. I'm telling on Hunter's you, man. Twitter. If you just like, if I just get an influx, if I check on Twitter, I'm like, wow, two thousand new followers. I guess I'll start being more what active. What if we make accounts and sensation. then follow you? Like, if we all make like twelve accounts and follow yeah, you, Russian then bots. in that case, yeah. all right, I'll get on there. I porn bots. If you're listening out there, oh no, beep give boop, me beep a follow. <laughs> <laughs> give me a follow. And you can follow me at Calderness on oh, Twitter. And also, fa- let's and give some Instagram. shout outs to people who have been listening. Simon, a friend of the pod, who the I just Simon this Time to. Trivia Show. Simon yeah. Time Trivia Show on iTunes. John, check out his uh, trivia. It's it's good shit. Go see him if you're in the Orlando area. Uh, check out the Snyder Collin podcast. It's it's like freeform jazz of podcasts. Sometimes it's amazing. Sometimes it's horrible. You never know. <laughs> you never know what you're going to get. Holy shit. Yeah, it's like Russian roulette listening to that podcast. Also, you know, it's just two guys, two white guys who just want to save jazz. Yeah. I was, yeah, I was just up in Tallahassee and I got some scoop for you guys. They talk shit about our pod in private. Oh, so we don't jealous. need to, we don't need to feel bad about, about <laughs> oh, well, pod Let's talk public. shit about their pod right now. They're jealous about how structured we are. <laughs> and how how much premium verified premium? One of content. them doesn't make eye contact. They wish that <laughs> they could person, have the lack of followers names. that we have. <laughs> oh my god! Well, thanks in. for listening, guys. Please check yeah. out the Snyder we Colin should, podcast. This should be they're, a recurring bit at the end of every episode. We start beef with someone. <laughs> also, check out honestly. Guess Dad. what? Leo's a smelly fucking. Hey, cat. no! Don't even talk about Leo. Come on, stop. That's not cool. That's not cool. Check I out uh, Honestly Dav on YouTube. Also, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> where's Drew De- or Finding Drew Dietzen? Oh, yeah. Finding yeah, Drew we've Dietzen. talked about it. Yeah, David, David's little Honestly Dav short film. Movie trailer for a movie that I about wish. About you, without I your consent. wish existed. Yeah. Finding Drew <laughs> it's, it's a good video. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll be back next week with uh, our Justice good old League, friend. Guys. Yeah, Brett's making a comeback. We're going to talk. The Front Bottoms, Ayo. live in concert, and then some fucking movie called Justice League. I don't know. Yeah, that. guess what? Reviews are out. It's bad. Hot take. I love Justice League. Oh, <laughs> my God. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs>